0: to be
1: a good life. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. The...
0: A land of strange
1: rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. From the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last. The real, shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal.
2: A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited. A food foolish, mm-hmm. you.
3: Something evil. It came from Cleveland. But it did not shoot the deputy.
4: Not recommended for impressionable children.
5: You're absolutely right, I couldn't agree with you more. Ah, there's this voice. Welcome
6: to It Came From Cleveland, everybody. For May 7th, 2021, as promised, we have our gigantic Kolchak blowout episode tonight. We were going to try and do four episodes of Kolchak, of the 20-episode series, um, but... Uh, I dumped mine because uh, I thought three was enough because I was having too much fun uh, gathering audio from one of the episodes, and of course, uh, uh, it's just it's in in the array of episodes tonight is just perfect, and there's too much fun to be had when it comes to all the weirdo little connections we like to make with famous voices, famous faces, things like that. Um, I spotted a, a cameo that I don't know if anybody saw. I got a screenshot of it from the episode we're going to cover with Joe. Um, there was somebody had a walk on, a very famous person had a walk on on the episode we're, we're going to talk about shortly. But yeah, so welcome to the show. Michelle, I know Colchak is one of your favorite television series of all time. So I know you're excited oh, about yes. this. <laughs> and we were talking before the show started that, you know, just uh, remarking on what lawn, and what other television series has the longevity of Colchak that it's still in syndication to this day after only being on tv one season 20 episodes
7: it's worth having the box set too but it's it is fun and you can always catch it somewhere it seems
6: <laughs> yeah yeah and you know of course it's part of sci-fi saturdays on me tv now uh which is is just awesome um and uh it's just such a fun show and I, it's in Joe to me. I think it's a real crime that it didn't carry on for longer because it was a very good ensemble cast. It was, it was a great cast and a cool concept, too. And it, it, you know, for, for me, it was one of those things, it was one of those shows when I was a kid. Um, I was like, What is this Night Stalker? And it was always on super late, and I could never see it. And I but I'd see commercials for it, and my mom had talked to me about it. She's like, Yeah, that was a cool show. See, I, I I missed out on all this stuff because she used to always tell me about like dark shadows and and Kolchak and stuff like that and uh and and I I missed out, but now I'm finally one of these days I'll get caught up on dark shadows. We'll see. Um, but uh, there's a lot more episodes of that than Kolchak. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Miles, uh, I hope you're gonna have fun with this tonight too. Uh, this is a this is a pretty cool uh, concept uh, uh for a program.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting series. I I it, I never really got into it um, until Michelle, you know. So, you know, I, I've watched an episodes here and there because I usually turn to bed early, and she'll have something mm-hmm. on TV. And, you know, it'll, it'll catch my ear.
6: Oh yeah, so and and of course, Darren McGavin was just a, such a phenomenal actor as well. And and I know people know him from a lot of different places. Uh, but we, he's probably most famous as being the father in A Christmas Story. And uh, I thought, you know, I, I should probably play at least a couple clips from A Christmas Story just to, to remind you of how wonderful of an actor he is. And, of course, uh, uh, before after he was uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker, he was a, um, a furnace fighter. <laughs> and, That's great. uh And here's... Uh, Here's here's a clip from A Christmas Story, just to remind everybody of the, of the goodness of Darren McGavin. Before we delve into the deep dark world of Kolchak,
0: the Night Stalker, my old man was one of the most feared furnace fighters in Northern Indiana.
2: <laughs> That hot damn wolves is froze up. Man.
0: Some men are Baptists, others Catholics. My father was an
2: Oldsmobile man. <laughs> <laughs> of bitch would freeze up in the middle of summer on the equator.
6: <laughs>
8: <laughs> Little pictures. And hold it. And here are those
6: world
2: travelers. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a clinker! (laughs) That blasted stupid furnace, that gummit! (laughs) Damn skates! (laughs) Oh, for Christ's sake, open up the damper, will you? Who the hell turned it all the way down? Again! Oh, blast it!
0: a tapestry of obscenity that as far as we know is still hanging in space over lake michigan
6: still hanging over lake, or <laughs> lake michigan uh yeah so i we had to get some furnace fighter action in there uh but yeah the the swearing michelle is just hysterical
7: Yeah, it is, especially when one of the words comes out of the mouth later of one of the kids.
6: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was was really funny. While in preparation for this, I didn't really find much. uh, Well, I I could have gotten a lot more interview stuff from Darren McGavin, but I wanted to find something expressly related to Kolchak, which I did find. Um, But I was watching him on Larry King, and he kind of went into that. Uh, He kind of started doing the fake swearing on Larry King, and it was really funny. So uh <laughs> uh, but yeah, love <laughs> tribute freeze up in the middle of the summer on the equator, <laughs> so, and uh, Michelle, you must uh you must be uh prescient <laughs> because the next clip, fragile uh,
2: fragile it must be Italian Well, I think
0: that says fragile, honey oh yeah. There we go.
2: Gee, really Did a job on this,
8: you
2: know?
9: Uh, no,
10: here,
9: <laughs> There could could be
2: anything in there. (laughs) Maybe they forgot. Well, it's in there. It's got to be in there. Oh boy! Oh boy! boy. Would you look at that? Would
11: you look at that? What is it?
5: What is it? It's a leg.
11: But what is it? Yeah,
2: well, it's it, 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 a leg, you know, like in a statue. Statue? Yeah, statue. Yeah,
0: statue. <laughs> Ralphie? Ralphie. My mother was trying to insinuate herself between us and the statue.
2: Holy smoke, with you? Do you know what this is? This is a lamp.
0: It was indeed a
2: lamp. A great... What a great lamp.
1: No. <laughs> uh, Here, hold it. Hold it. Here, yeah, come on. Uh,
0: the old man's eyes boggled.
1: Oh,
2: wow.
0: Overcome by. Heart, oh, I don't wow. Place
2: for it. <laughs> right in the middle of our front, front room window. window.
0: <laughs>
6: right in the middle of the front room window.
8: <laughs>
6: oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, Yeah, so. <laughs> I I just uh, that that this movie makes me laugh to this day. I loved it when I first saw it when I was a kid, and I I love it, you know. Today is is an aging man, so, uh. But yeah, I mean, Joe, he just does that that manic, breathless, uh, you know, justification of the weirdest stuff, you know, so well.
9: (laughs) A quick whiff of ozone, yeah. <laughs> some sparks, <laughs> and a oh. quick whiff of ozone. Yeah. So, and it glow forth.
6: Yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, you know, Miles, this has got to be one of the top Christmas movies. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I know it, uh, everybody loves it, especially here in Cleveland because it's supposed to take place in Cleveland. But uh, you know, I mean, it's just it—it it really is kind of a timeless uh, gem. It
3: is a definite classic, and uh, I just posted a link. They still sell that lamp.
6: Oh well, you know the the Christmas story. Uh, a Christmas Story Museum is like fifteen minutes away from my house, right? You can go oh, down. Wow. To the, you can go to the gift shop there and buy uh, the bunny suit, the leg lamp. Um, you know, I, the, I think they sell the BB guns. Uh, you know, anything that was in that movie, there's, but we got pictures of Susan, uh, with, uh, uh, the, the bar of soap, uh, you know, that he got his mouth washed Well, not the actual bar of soap, but an old school bar of lava soap. And, and she actually put her teeth on it. (laughs) So... Uh, but yeah so I, I suppose we should explain further Michelle what the lamp is you know uh because you know his neighbors were very curious once it was in the front window right
7: Yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's an actually a very very unique looking lamp you know yes. it's basically molded after a woman's leg wearing a fishnet stocking and one black high heeled shoe very shapely
6: <laughs> woman's leg with just the uh the lower Cleft of a cheek.
7: <laughs> yep, yep.
6: <laughs> uh, that Ralphie was reaching for him. By the way, the actor who played uh, Ralphie, um, just a little bit of trivia, he was in um, he was in Iron Man, and he was also in Spider-Man um, uh, Far From Home. Uh, he was one of the guys who collaborated with Mysterio, who used to work with uh, um, Iron Monger in the Iron Man Movie And he's also a a big uh, Hollywood producer. Uh, And I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But um, he doesn't look anything like he does now.
7: Another thing about the lamp that that you don't notice Mm -hmm. until you plug it in is not only does it have a light bulb at the top where the shade is, which is a really pretty frilled, Mm -hmm. you know, shade. But it, the whole leg lights up, so it really draws the attention. Of it the really does. <laughs> it really
6: does. And so, uh, well, uh, old pops is out on the street, uh, uh, giving a, uh, a little direction on where the lamp should be placed.
1: Move it a little bit to, to, to the right. Yeah, a little that
2: way. Just a little, a little more to the right. Okay, more. That's it. do no, stop. Right there. That's wonderful.
12: Hey, Park, what is
2: that? Don't bother me now, sweet. Can't see I'm busy. Yeah, but what is that? It's a, it's a major award.
12: A major award?
2: Shucks, I wouldn't have known, Dad. It looks like a lamp. but well, it is a lamp, you nincompoop, but it's a major award. I want it. Damn hell, you say you want it? Yeah. have yeah, mind power, sweet, mind power.
0: The entire neighborhood was turned on.
2: Oh, you should see what it looks like from out here. (laughs) It
0: could be seen up and down Cleveland Street, the symbol of the old man's victory.
2: If he
6: won
11: that, it's a major award.
6: (laughs) (laughs) He won that. It's a major award. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so anyway, those are some choice clips. I thought about getting the Bumpkis' dog clips or something like that, but... I figured we need more. We need more time for Kolchak and, and some um, some background info. And Joe, before we uh, before we get into anything else, I want to uh, pivot to you because, of course, your friendship uh, with Bob Weatherwax um, uh, has led you to uh, some insight into a friendship he used to have with an actor that was in the episode of Kolchak that you chose to give your critical review of. That you and I both are. And, um, that's the one and only, uh, late, great Richard Keel. Yes. And you have, uh, 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 Bob Weatherwax, uh,
9: was, they were dear friends, right? Well, yeah. Uh, first, uh, his father, um, who, <laughs> his father frequented bars very regularly. Uh, <laughs> um, and, um, the bar that was his favorite, uh, Richard Keel happened to be the bouncer. That's that's amazing. And um, he would often uh, he was working, you know, off and on, and film. He wanted to get into film, and he would often ask Bob's dad if he ever had a uh, an idea for him or if it could get him a role or something. So mm-hmm. he did, and he hired him to do a Lassie movie, a little or a Lassie episode. Mhm. And um in which he played a Native American who rode a horse that was a bit smaller than he was. Uh yeah. I think he might
6: have I think uh the I, I'm not sure but I might have heard about something like that in the Letterman episode and Letterman crack. So it looked like the horse had six legs then <laughs> or something like it, that.
9: One of the things Bob remembered was was uh they had to stop shooting for some reason uh, and uh, they wanted him to get off the horse, and all he did was stand up the horse yeah. lot from under. <laughs> <laughs>
6: and then they and, rubbed the horse down with Bengay. Right. The poor horse. Uh,
9: yeah, he was, he, was, he was tall. He was a tall guy.
6: 7'2. Seven, 7'2, seven, two. Seven, two, and uh, yeah. weighed about 330 pounds. Eyes of blue, and. Uh, yeah.
9: Yeah, he and he got uh, he got Bob and his friend out of a couple tough spots. Yeah, we yeah filming.
6: <laughs> yeah, tell everybody about that. That this is this is pretty hysterical.
9: Yeah, I I think I told everyone on turn up the night. I don't know if I did,
6: but uh, it was a while uh, ago. But you know, it's it, when it, they it's, were shooting. With yeah, when show. they were
9: shooting. When they were shooting that film, um, in, in which he was playing the Native American with the big hawk on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, naturally, there was a lot of downtime, and uh, you know, bore. They were in a re- remote area in uh, California. It might have been Nevada, but anyway, you know, a, a small village where they were they're shooting, and um, there was one hotel and a bar in the hotel, and that was it. There wasn't a lot going on in this town, so Bob and his friend decided to go down. And wander around the town and see what they could find. And they did find an old honky tonk at the other end of town that was frequented by some quite large uh lumberjacks. You might say, uh, you know, like tin men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, only only real fleshy guys. So <laughs> uh these guys were having a good time, and in comes Bob and his friend, who was one of the producers, and he um These guys spot them, and they say, hey, you're uh, one of those, couple of those uh, Hollywood guys? Mm. Uh, Well, yeah. Well, we don't like your kind coming around here, so uh, why don't you just uh, turn around and get out of (laughs) here? You know? Yeah. And Bob and his friend were, and they sort of got close to them, and intimidatingly surrounded them and they decided okay the you know uh, discretion is the better part of valor will yes yeah and they did and they went back to the hotel and as they passed the bar in the hotel they saw it was empty except for one large person richard keel who was sitting alone at the bar and uh he's just drinking and He spotted them. He says, hey, guys, is there anything else going on in town? Because there's nothing going on here. And they said, yeah, there's a bar hopping downtown with a lot of action, but can't go down there because the lumberjacks uh, don't like Hollywood types. And they told (laughs) us, don't come back. And he said, come on. (laughs) Let's go. And they said, you mean back there? And he said, yeah, come on with me. (laughs) And Richard Keel and Bob and his friend went back down to that honky-tonk. But what they did was, uh, Richard Keel, the way the bar was set up, when you walked into the bar, the way Bob describes it, mm-hmm. the bar was like L-shaped. So when you walked into the bar, you, you saw the bar itself, and then it ran along the wall. And so when you walk in, you could scrooch down and, and hide To the occupants of the bars, and that's exactly what Richard Keel did. And Bob and his friend walked in, and naturally the lumberjacks came back and said, Hey, old you Hollywood types, we don't like you here. So if you want to live, get out of here. And they didn't say anything, but slowly, inch by inch, foot by foot, (laughs) Richard (laughs) Keel. Stood up from behind the bar until all seven foot two of them uncoiled. That's great. (laughs) And these guys were looking up and he walked over to them. And one of them actually smashed a bottle, Bob tells me. And Richard Keel grabbed him by the neck and lifted him with one hand off the ground.
6: I can believe it.
9: You guys could rush me. He said, but this guy is going through that wall, and then you're all going to die one by one. <laughs> so who wants to start? <laughs> that, is, that is incredible. They all start... La- they said, oh, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. And Bob said, they did not buy a drink the rest of that night or the rest of their stay in the town. <laughs> well, that's, that's cool. They had a great time <laughs> that night, and he said Richard Keel danced with all the women in the bar, and not one of them t- had the touching the ground when he did
6: <laughs> i can believe it i can believe it yes. that, is, that is such so a, cool it was a great story.
9: night for bob and uh, richard keel
6: yeah well um in preparation for this i figured um well, a little treat for you joe since you shared that story let's see what a good natured uh fun guy richard keel was in his own voice uh, from a 1985 episode of david letterman and apparently he was a huge fan of david letterman and i never realized this they actually share a, a bit of a resemblance in the face um, especially the space between his teeth and and listen for that
13: i understand you've been fooling around with my wife <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh what a rich sense of humor <laughs> that's april fool yeah, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact i'm uh, i'm one of your biggest fans well that's uh, that's very nice of you <laughs>
14: No, no, I, was, I wasn't going to mention this, but you've, you've referred to your uh, size directly or indirectly here a
13: couple of times. Yeah, I, I don't mind. You know, no, okay, so how t- here, tall a person say. are you? I'm 7'2". Seven 7'2". Two. Seven two. and, and, and what, what do you weigh? That, that's with my elevator shoes, which I don't have on. Yeah, and what is your weight? Well, I don't talk about that. No, <laughs> no I weigh about three thirty.
14: Now. Oh um, yeah. no, uh, really? Yeah. What, now, what kind of? Th- this must be problems for you, like airplanes, hotels, that sort of thing? Do you, do you run into, uh, like, a bed? Do you have to get a special bed in a hotel?
13: Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, king-size beds and basketball players, so... Mm-hmm. It's not too big of a deal. If, you know, if there's a problem, I just sleep in shifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but aer- airplanes, uh, I tell you, I, I had a real problem flying out here. Uh, they have this new plane. Uh, I won't mention the name, but it... It was this uh, AA Airlines, and uh, mm-hmm. which I don't understand because everybody was drinking like mad. You know, yeah, but it uh-huh. was, uh, but the uh, the bathrooms, you know, the the walls kind of tilt forward. You know, you're what six feet tall. And, you know, must be a problem for you. You know, yeah, but for me, uh, you know, I can't even get in. You know, I open yeah. the door and there's a wall. You
14: know. <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you, you would do? Have somebody hold the door open and you stand on the other side of the hallway. Oh. The other side of the aisle. How uh, no, horrible launching that is! Uh,
13: gosh, that's about it. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
14: Do, do people, uh, after a while, does it get on your nerves when people talk to you about it or, or make remarks to you when they see it? Because you're a very recognizable person, even if you weren't seven two. Well, how's that? Well, because of the, the parts that you've played in films. Oh, I know. You, you know, it's, you're very, about very distinct, like, uh, no, distinct character. Yeah. In
13: fact, one time uh, there was this guy. And he stood, you know, looking at me, uh, staring for about an hour. And that really bugs me, you know, when people stare. Finally, I said to him, I said, uh, what's the matter, haven't you ever seen a guy with a space between his teeth?
14: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh... So at that
6: point, they're both smiling their spaces in their teeth showing (laughs) so (laughs) because you know that's kind of david letterman's trademark uh as well um but no i just i i i thought that was too fun uh of a little interview segment uh to not play on the show so uh yeah amusing good natured guy good natured guy obviously well,
7: you know, you have to go one of two ways when 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 you're as big as he is and you have such a distinctive look, you're going to mm-hmm. either be a bastard or you're going to be really sweet. So. Yeah,
6: you know, and he was uh, he was actually considered for the role of uh, Non in Star Trek. Uh, I'm sorry, Superman Two. Um, you know the the mute. Um, oh, the grunt. Yeah, the, yeah, the mute Kryptonian from the uh, Phantom Zone. Um, and, uh, but the guy that they hired was very similar looking to him, uh, but, uh, it was not him. So, uh, but yeah, d- uh, Joe, what do you think of that fun little interview there?
9: Yeah. I actually saw that, uh, when we were preparing for this show. So, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It, it, he, he, was, uh, he had great sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, everybody liked him. Yeah. Bob well, really liked him. And, yeah.
6: Well, and uh that's the last time you'll hear him speak tonight on the program. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah.
8: he did not Although have He did voiceover
9: work. He he did voiceover work. You know, that was amazing.
6: Yeah. yeah. So uh but you know, the, the great guy though. Um, you know, and, and you know, I love hearing the stories uh from you know that you talk about from Bob and then, you know, again, interviews with him, you know, just hearing him in his own voice, it's really cool. So, I'll tell you what. We're going to go to break just a tad early. Uh, our Kill the Hippies uh, music block tonight uh, is because and, and, we're going to get right into the Kolchak fun when we come back. We have a Darren McGavin uh, interview from ABC from 1974 um, about Kolchak the series and all kinds of crazy great audio. But um, I picked out the Kill the Hippies uh, the house band music tonight. Uh, we have coming your way three of my favorites. Silver guitar making its debut on the show tonight. Great, great song. Um, uh, Moral of the story, you guys have heard before. uh, I like that. And another one we heard before, Mask or Mutilation. Love those tunes. Uh, Three of my favorites. Thanks to Matt and Melissa uh, for their contributions to the program. For being our house band, we'll be right back.
0: it could be seen up and down Cleveland Street.
5: I
6: agree with you more yes uh <laughs> that's gonna live uh in the cart forever right there you're
5: absolutely right i couldn't agree with you more uh but
6: no <laughs> nice. I, had to, I had to start off with the kolchak theme because and michelle i want to talk to you about that because that theme is so iconic and it's so it's it, because it starts off it's like this pleasant little melody and everything and it's kind of setting a bit of a whimsical tone to it and then it's like Oh, the clock is stopping. The fan is stopping. (laughs) Things are not right. You know, I mean, it's that 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 thirty second, or I'm sorry, sixty second piece of music goes like is like the most manic shift I can think of in any kind of theme song ever for a television series
7: yeah and I really like the whistling. it's very catchy and it will stick in your mind for hours. <laughs> yeah
6: and you know what it what it kind of reminds me of too is uh, this uh, I don't know if it was an inspiration to the writers or anything, but there was the old uh, old time radio series called The Whistler and and it was it was an anthology series except in, in, and that's what I find interesting is Kolchak essentially isn't an anthology series where the narrator is actually involved. You know, because it, 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 because you didn't get that a lot. Obviously, the Twilight Zone is an example where the narrator's not involved. The Whistler, it was, you know, the they, they were, the Whistler would whistle and then talk about what was going on in the story, come back for the recap, all that. Um, so, so th- that to me was kind of a, a really unique thing is essentially, you know, Kolchak was an anthology series where the narrator was an active participant, which was, Super cool to me. And, you know, the yeah. the crime solver as well.
7: Yeah. Well, it was like a combination of anthology and episodic because you have recurring characters as well. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. in the stories. So it's not like it's a, it's a different story with different characters each time. You have the uh, episodic nature of the relationships of the characters being yes. worked out in, over, over the, the, the episodes. And then... You know the anthology; just that he's coming up against a different monster or a weird thing mm-hmm. each each show.
6: Yeah. So, and and that I, I have a, a, a profound appreciation for. Um. So. Uh. uh, uh but yeah. So. Uh, uh. In doing my research for this, um. I I think it's the only interview I. It's the only interview I could find that was available, and I'm unsure who the interviewer was, but it looks like this was for ABC Television. Um, and uh, Darren McGavin was being interviewed uh, in 1974 about the series Kolchak. And um, here's three minutes of interview uh, before we get into our first episode, Bad Medicine.
15: Darren McGavin was yeah. Kolchak, uh, the Night Stalker on ABC. You've done such a variety of roles, from uh, the King and I, where you played the King, uh, Captain Grassbound's Conversion was another or one. Or
2: Perversion. Right.
15: Played McDuff <laughs> in uh, Macbeth. Isn't it going to be kind of dull being a newspaper reporter every week?
2: Oh, no, I don't think so. Uh, We're having a terrific variety of of, of scripts coming in. And it really has to do with uh, the the kind of material that you're dealing with, really. And I like Cole Shack. I like the character. Cole Shack. And uh, we have a lot of fun with him. And apparently the audience seems to like him. from from the, Of course, the Night Stalker. Oh, they did very well in movies. Enjoyed it. So we're trying to... Keep up that level during the uh, coming year. I think we will. I think we will.
15: Well, you probably can't have anything like a, a vampire of the week. You're going to have to come up with something else. What? What kind of ideas are you? Oh, going to I to don't know. Twenty-six
2: episodes. Oh, all kinds of things. We're working on a zombie story now, which is kind of fun. <laughs> uh, we're also working on a werewolf uh, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, just got an outline in, which is I'm terribly excited about. Which is a uh, a lady vampire, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, and I've known you. a few lady vampires,
15: haven't you? I mean, really, <laughs> I have a couple of marks. Yeah, yeah. I yeah from a recent yeah. one. No, yeah. well, does Kolchak oh, have a girlfriend of his own? Who's no. not a vampire
2: in the show? Kind no. of hmm. a loner. No, it's not. He's a loner. It's just that, that that part of his life takes place away from the camera. You know, we're not. Who's interested All in right. that? You know, we're not really. In Kolchak,
15: do you ever have to say anything that you wouldn't say as Darren McGavin? And does he ever have a philosophy that you don't personally have?
2: Well, that that goes to the heart of the matter, really, as to what is the actor and what is the character. And in, very often in the audience's mind, people get the two mixed up. The fact that an actor says something that he may not believe or follow, you know, wholeheartedly with his whole entire being and self, but says it with utter, total conviction, people begin to think that he is Ronald Reagan. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's not really Ronald Reagan, even though he may claim that, Let's get those something or whatever he does, you know, with the with the conviction of, of the actor's work on it. Uh, sure, there are certain times that an actor has to say things that he doesn't believe or he doesn't really... I mean, after all, that's the art of acting, isn't it?
15: Well, in Kolchak, do you believe in some of the things you do, uh, in the vampires? In I absolutely believe that there are things beyond our comprehension lying out there that we know nothing, nothing about. In the early days... When you were just starting up, did you have an idol, somebody uh, who was a big star that you said, no, i like not No, not really. I always like myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that helps an actor, I think. Yeah, a little bit.
8: On. I no. just talked
15: the one that did the very same thing, Fred Williamson. Oh, He's, Fred. Yes. Uh, that's definitely his philosophy. Darren, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure meeting you. I'm me. delighted. And Ooh, watching Kolchak.
2: Cool. Shack, The nice stalker. Shack. Yeah. And welcome to
1: ABC. Thank you very much.
6: There you go. So uh, he likes himself a lot. So that's cool. That's a good <laughs> attitude, I suppose. Um, I, I you know for some reason I was expecting him to say Gary Cooper. I don't know why. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know. I just I was like watching and I was like, is he going to say something like Gary Cooper? So, uh, but yeah. So uh, so there we go. And and Joe. Uh, so you you did you watch the show when it
9: was on originally? I did not.
6: Okay, so you're. This is this is kind of a a a, a new thing for you, then, right?
9: Yeah, I was. Uh, it was only on for a year, and I must have whole, missed that whole year. Yeah. So of course we, it was the '60s, so I missed a lot of that decade. Yeah. So Richard
6: Keel was on two episodes of uh, as the bad guy, um, and this one, um, he again plays a Native American um, uh, sorcerer. Uh, in the episode, episode eight, "Bad Medicine," and um, we're uh, in in here, I'll I'll play the the setup because it has uh, some hefty narration for it, and then we can um uh, uh figure out what what other audio we're gonna be playing tonight for this. So, uh, clip one from Colchak the Night Stalker, "Bad Medicine." As Scott
2: Fitzgerald once wrote, "The rich are different than you and me." Sure are, they got more money. <laughs> but there wasn't enough money in the world to save some of the members of Chicago's upper crust from a fiendish force so dark it can only be called diabolic. Chicago's rich and super rich are no different from the privileged few of New York's Sutton Place or the nouveau riche of Los Angeles. They enjoy a highly protected environment. November 12th, 11.20 p.m., Rhonda June Marquet, real name Adele Saperstein, was coming home after an unusually successful day. Miss Marquet was chairman of the board of Maison de Marquet Incorporated, manufacturers of the famous Rhonda June Brazier line, a long-time bulwark of the garment industry serving women from 8 to 80. She designed her first bra in 44 when she was an aircraft worker in Glendale. Ms. Markey had a well-known proclivity for fine gems and was reputed to have some of the biggest diamonds in Chicago.
6: And then a little birdie comes a-tapping at her window. Somebody in the sound department was having fun with a synthesizer for the animal noises here. I got to say, because they're not using real animal noises. (laughs) Um, but I like it. I like it. It's, it's part of the charm of the show. So yeah. So Joe, you shared the reveal of the pictures of the, of the Raven flying in and, uh, transforms into Richard Keel's character. Uh, the, whose, whose name we will learn shortly. Um, as we, as we go on, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, just such a, a steely, eerie gaze that he he could give, right?
9: Yeah, he would scare me in a dark alley, <laughs> I'll tell
6: you. Yeah, or if he crashes in as a bird into my high-rise apartment and then turns into a, a giant seven-foot-tall uh, sorcerer. Or if he comes oh, yeah.
7: into a
9: bar that I just kicked his good friends out. Yeah,
6: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but Joe, uh, give us your thoughts uh, on on the setup uh, for this episode, or or talk about you know uh, where it goes. I do have a clip for the second victim, but we can probably skip that one. Uh, but it, basically, um, uh, the uh, uh, this again, Richard Keel's character has shown that he can transform, well, transform into a bird. And, uh, Mm -hmm. later on when his second victim, uh, is attacked, looks like he can turn into what some people believe is to be a dog.
9: Well, looks like a dog, but ain't a dog.
6: Yeah. Looks like a coyote.
9: Coyote.
6: (laughs) Oh yeah. And the actual, well, you know what? Let me play the second, the second victim clip too. It's only a minute long. And then you'll get to hear the, the sounds that they use for the coyote Oh no <laughs> they're also they're also like synthesizer sounds which I love but yeah
2: so here, here's here's the second victim November 13th 130 a.m Lucy Lapont Addison the reigning queen of what was left of Chicago's old society was returning home after an opera opening she supplied the opera house Lucy Addison had accumulated fortunes like she accumulated husbands friends referred to her as the steel butterfly <laughs> of these two powerful ladies jolted Chicago's elite. Both funerals were SRO. Standing or only. And,
6: oh, Jesus. uh... SRO used to be a record label. I think the Bee Gees might have been on it. Um, uh... <laughs> I remember they had a little, like, weird cow as their logo or something. Uh, but, uh, this, um... Yeah, I mean, get those the 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 sound of the coyote. At first, they had like a dog growling, and then it went into this weird. <laughs> 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 I'm like, no, that that is totally somebody just having fun with a synthesizer, and I approve. I approve of that. You know, experimental uses and 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 I got to say, uh, uh, to Michelle, um, real quick, some of the the gore effects and special effects in here very, very, very reminiscent of a lot of like the the Italian horror films and you know the Argentos and things like that especially with um, the episode miles picked and the their zombie episode and stuff like that a lot of um, you know special effects that, that um, practical effects that were very very similar to uh, a lot of you know foreign horror that came honestly frankly came after. This during and after this series,
7: yes. Um, uh, the effects they 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 also don't overdo the effects too, which is nice because it was on TV, so they had a certain you know standard they had to keep up to. But they yeah. did well for TV show this time.
6: Yeah. And unfortunately, I won't be able to do Mr. Ring, the Mr. Ring episode, but that one had some really cool, crazy effects. Uh, uh, you know, um, I think that was kind of inspired probably by Westworld or something. But um uh but yeah so Joe uh, uh now Richard Keel's character has shown up uh claimed a second victim this time as a coyote, and um and of course uh Kolchak is on the case, but his editor what does his editor think is going on um with these two rich women?
9: Well, his his editor um, I don't I don't know I you oh, know well, I don't, I don't he, remember that.
6: part. Well, yeah, he he's like ah, it's suicide, Kolchak.
9: There's no story here, and I, I, I was fixated on the fact that his editor thought Kolchak couldn't cover this because he wasn't dressed properly.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, the, yeah, that that too. Um, uh, but the uh, the what I love though, again, from the ensemble cast, um, the uh uh there there's an actress uh on the show um who played uh, Emily uh, Cowles. Um, and let me uh, let me get to that. Uh, I want to find out the uh, um, the cast members. Uh, Ruth McDevitt uh, played Emily Cowles. And uh, so his editor uh, uh, says, no, this is a suicide. There's no story here. But then I just love this. Again, from the ensemble cast, Emily Cowles, she has some wisdom uh, about why it's not doesn't fit the suicide profile two
2: deaths in two days, two of Chicago's wealthiest women. Co- coincidence, purely coincidence Yeah, well then tell me this, why are the police being so tight-lipped about it, huh? Tell me that. Kolchak, these women were very influential, very wealthy They left behind financial dynasties which didn't want their good names dragged through the newspapers. Suicide is a very ugly word. Yeah, and so is murder yeah, yeah, look, look, look here, look, here. see? Uh, the the Marquis woman uh, had just won a proxy suit to take over yet another corporation. And the, uh, yeah, right here, the Addison woman has just added to her personal portfolio as she was about to marry her latest husband. I didn't know you were following the
10: society columns. Well, Carl has a point, you know, Mr. Vincenzo. What point? Neither of these women fits the suicide profile according to the Swedish studies. Really? (laughs) They were chronically depressed. They hadn't had a recent shock. They weren't terminating any relationships. As a matter of fact, they both had immediate goals they were looking forward to.
2: Miss Emily, thank you. No.
6: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh Coljack just so everybody knows does not do anything. Tony uh Vincenzo uh, aka Simon Oakland, the actor Simon Oakland, he 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 doesn't listen to his editor at all. Um <laughs> and um except for the
9: clothes. Except for the
4: clothes. Yeah.
6: So, uh but but yeah, so um Turns out uh, uh, now, so, so uh, again, this was puzzling to me about, you know, I, I kept wondering, okay, so we have established, we the viewers know that this is some kind of Native American shaman or sorcerer or something along those lines. You know, and I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out why the heck is he stealing gems? You know, what what purpose does it serve? And, and, and we'll find out later. But uh, he actually uh, uh, went into a bank, and uh, as a, and and now he's using his both abilities as a coyote and a bird. Um, and uh, this is um, this is uh, after the bank heist uh, happens. Uh, here we go.
2: A million dollar sapphire stolen. Two guards, dead, and a man dressed like an Indian who dove off the roof into thin air. I saw it, but I didn't believe it, and I was sure the police didn't either.
6: Yeah, so uh, after the bank heist, uh, they they chase him to the rooftop. He jumps off, and the uh, Kolchak and the police look over the edge, and uh, nobody on the ground. There's people down, you know, not reacting, not, you know, wondering. Uh, so obviously he's done his transformation into a bird and uh, flown off, which um, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I love the animal shapeshifter um, uh, stories and in, in uh, creatures. Um, and thank you, Joe, uh, for sharing a picture of a dead dog. <laughs>
9: well, that's the dog the coyote killed. <laughs> yeah,
6: that is. So, and I think I saw the dog. To- I, I think I actually saw the dog blink um, in the scene.
9: You Uh, did. And you know what? Barbara (laughs) Barbara saw that too when we were watching. She goes, that dog moved. Who's the trainer on this show? (laughs) 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 Bob would have never let that happen. (laughs) Yeah.
6: Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, actually, um, uh, and, and so, uh, with, with that being said, obviously the police aren't going to admit to, uh, what's going on. Um, and, uh, they come up with a, a pretty lame cover story, uh, for it. And, um, and I, am not going to play that clip um, because it's too long, but uh, the in the clip uh, that I, that I did have queued up, there was a cameo, uh, the uh, police chief was handed, uh, a document, a ballistics report, and it was the one and only Marla Gibbs from the Jeffersons, and, uh... Did it? Oh, it's processing it, and uh, I've got the screenshot there. I don't know why it's taking so long to upload. Maybe it's it's probably too big or something. But yeah, Marla Gibbs just silently comes up and hands him a um, a, a folder, and uh, I'm gonna try and put it. No, it's just is processing. Of course, it's gonna do that. I thought I was all prepared, and um and had these pictures ready to go for everybody, but it's not working. So, uh, I'll, let me just resize it real quick and see if I can, uh, uh, make it a little, uh, easier for you guys to see. So, uh, but yeah, so it, it you know, and, and, um, the, um, but the, again, the cover story, there, there's a big, uh, uh, argument with Kolchak and, and the, um, uh the police chief so Kolchak decides uh well what better thing to do than sneak into um the uh the uh, priest uh, what I'm sorry what what do you, what what room is that called um the squad room and uh he gets on the phone and calls ballistics because he knows that they've gotten the ballistics report and this is how that
2: goes ballistics please Lieutenant, uh, Tackwood. Who? Tackwood. I just got a hold of the ballistics report on those two dead guards on the gem exchange robbery. Oh, yeah, I didn't think you guys would go for that. Listen, we examined those slugs six times. It's no mistake. Are you sure? Listen, Tackwood, I'm telling you, each guard was killed with a bullet from his own gun. What? Yes. Hey, who is this?
6: Oh, let's cold check. (laughs) (laughs)
9: Uh, is always, always, always uh, finding his way into places he doesn't belong.
6: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, this is... uh, um, And I don't know why my, my photos aren't loading. This is really annoying. I have that Marla Gibbs picture. Oh, that is so irritating. Um, but yeah, so, so he gets booted from, uh, the, the, uh, um, patrol or the, not the patrol room, the squad room, uh, and, and leaves and heads back to, uh, what's the name? It's INS international news service or something like that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he, he heads back and, um. Uh, well, no, actually, he doesn't. He pays a visit to another one of his friends, another famous, uh, famous face. Uh, but he visits an ex jewel thief, or uh, uh, named Delgado. You guys might recognize his voice. I, I need to pull up his, uh, his name real quick. But uh, this is him, uh, saying, you know, hey, I, I don't know where these jewels are going. I don't know who's stealing them, but they're
12: not on the market. All I do now make duplicates for people. Most of the real rocks are stashed away in a wall somewhere. It takes a very dicey
1: dame to wear real ice these days. The insurance kills them. Yeah, yeah. well, there's going to be
2: fewer and fewer of them from now on. Colchak, yeah. none of that stuff has hit the market. Believe
1: me, I know because I have my ear to the door. Frankly, the hot rock business is in a slump.
6: Yeah, so that was uh, the hot rock business is in a slump. I love it. The hot
1: that. rock business is in a slump
6: because you know what? Uh, put a hot rock on you means, or, or uh, it's, uh, it's a term cannibals used to use. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you know they cook you with hot rocks. Um, uh, but um, yeah, the uh, Marvin Kaplan, uh, he he was really famous for being in um, "It's a Mad, 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 Mad World." Um, the great race, uh, and, um, he's, he was like, oh, he was a regular on Alice too. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, so kind of a, uh, a, a, a round nerdy guy, uh, that, that showed up in a lot of different, um, TV shows and movies. I do but, have
9: his picture, but it seems to be not loading on discord anymore.
6: Well, I, yeah,
9: I, I don't know what's going on. I think it won't. It, Hey, will uh, process pictures. Yeah, that's, uh,
6: what's going on, uh, with me too. I have no idea. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, we should probably just go to break right now since it's, uh, eight o'clock and, um, perhaps we could, uh, well, I don't know if it's a problem for everybody on, I don't know, maybe you guys can just try and restart your, uh, discord and, uh. We'll see what goes after that. But we'll be right back. We're going to continue talking about this episode, Bad Medicine, of Kolchak, and get to the bottom of who the villain is.
1: The hot rock business is in a slump.
2: And now on with the show. Some people dream about retiring. Uh huh. I dream about breaking your face. Oh. Group.
1: It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio,
0: a land of strange rituals, the savage horrors, of fearsome
1: mutated beasts from the dead, kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces.
2: Now at last,
0: the real, shocking story can be told.
2: We are giving you all
0: the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable
14: souls
2: who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A Mm foolish unto you. Something evil.
9: It came from Cleveland and killed my favorite second cousin, Big Mistake. Not recommended for impressionable
4: children.
14: All
6: right, we are back with our Cold Chat special here. On it came from Cleveland, broadcasting live on radio for humans, May seventh, twenty twenty-one. Happy birthday, Darren McGavin! I forgot to mention that. That's a good reason why we're doing this because his birthday is today. And, of course, stick around. We have all new robots tonight. We've got a mythical moment from Adam Hebert. Uh, We have a fun Kolchak trailer block. And we will also have a Twilight Zone review from uh, the Twilight Zone that broadcast 61 years ago today. A stop at Willoughby we'll be talking about. And uh, if we have time, we might be talking about some mushrooms <laughs> uh but we'll see we'll see uh, it's looking doubtful tonight but we'll have it for next week it, at the very least uh so yeah um uh, welcome back miles hello yes yes hello. and michelle thank you for investigating the discord uh snafu appreciate that
7: oh well, no problem i knew where to look so <laughs> yeah
6: yeah so and of course Joe, uh I think we should probably get back into some bad medicine here, uh not the mushrooms. Uh that, that seemed like no, good medicine. No, no. Um but uh yeah, this is uh so this next clip is right near wheelhouse because uh well Kolchak decides um you know, he he's got the pictures of he has a picture of the dead dog who blinked. Uh Barb caught that too. And <laughs> that's um great. And, uh, of course, uh, he, he, uh, he got that developed and, um, uh, and, and there are paw prints in the foot in the, in the photograph and he wants to investigate. So again, right up your alley, he decides, well, let's look and see if there's, you know, he can find a kennel that maybe has trained dogs, particularly trained attack dogs. So he, vis- he, he, he uh, there's much ado about ripping pages out of, uh, uh, a phone book and then he finds himself at Reliance Guard Dog Inc. uh, talking to a a dog trainer. I wonder if Bob Weatherwax knows this guy.
2: (laughs) I don't think so.
6: So, uh, so. here we go.
2: Reliance Guard Dog Incorporated and George M. Schwartz, trainer of the three-time Midwestern Guard Dog champion, Reliance's (laughs) Teutonic Knight. Mr. Schwartz knew his dogs. He also had the caution that comes from a lifetime of paranoia. I, I would like to find out what kind of dog made the tracks around the dead guard dog here. Who do you want to know that for? Well, if I can find what kind of a dog it is, Mr. Schwartz, then maybe I can find the trainer. Just what have you got against dog trainers? Oh, I can assure you, uh, Mr. Schwartz, that I have the highest respect for dog trainers, sir. Well, uh, uh, can't really tell what kind of tracks these are. Until... You wait right here.
0: Yeah. What does that mean? Well, it's German. They seem to like it better. Told him to keep you company.
16: Oh. <laughs> oh shit.
6: So he's nervously being watched by a uh, German shepherd. Or no, a Dober- Doberman pincher, was it?
2: By Mr. Yeah, to it a- <laughs> 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 He's
6: trying to speak German to it. Not
2: working. <laughs> what do you take me for? I beg your pardon? These aren't the tracks of a dog. What do you mean? They belong to a coyote. Coyote?
6: Oh,
9: so yeah. So there, there uh, we go. It's, it's been revealed. Of course, it's he horrible. didn't notice that before he went to check. The encyclopedia of dog f- footprints. Uh, of dog, dog footprints. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here! <laughs> uh, oh, forget. Yeah, it. <laughs>
6: Joe's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, let me find my dog footprint encyclopedia and get my right back Dog footprint
9: encyclopedia. <laughs> That's hysterical.
6: <laughs> so, did does Bob have one of those? <laughs>
9: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has, you see he has all 20 all 20 editions. volumes.
6: So, uh, yeah. in the in the annual yeah. updates. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> The Dog Footprint Atlas. Oh, okay. Um,
9: yeah. Let yeah. me let me check. What do you yeah. take me for? Like you didn't recognize that when he first looked yeah. at the
6: picture. So, <laughs> uh so now uh Kolchak essentially decides that uh this is and we have a we have a big cameo coming up here as well. Um, and we're going to have to start flying through the clips that I have. Um, uh, we're going to have to gloss over a little bit, but he decides, well, you know, he's seen someone who's a Native American with a coyote, and he's like, well, maybe this is an actual Native American. Well, you know, and again, I I, I know I don't have to apologize to you guys for the, the language used back in the day. A little more insensitive and obviously cultural appropriation going on, and Caucasians as Native Americans and so on and so forth. Um, But um, uh, coming up, uh, let's see if anybody recognizes the voice if they haven't seen the episode. Um, uh, He goes to a Native American cultural center and, um, of course, a very non-Native American looking doctor, uh, Dr. (laughs) Agnes Temple. Uh, uh, He he explains what's going on and uh, he looks around uh, the cultural center to see if there's anything that uh, resembled the uh, our villain of the story.
10: Do you see anything here that looks familiar?
2: No. Nope. Ta-ha! Yeah, that one over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the snake skin and the, the bone thing.
10: How odd.
2: Well, why odd?
10: Well, how utterly odd that you should pick that one from all the others. Why? This is the sorcery costume of the Diablero. A strange figure that occurs and reoccurs throughout southwestern Indian lore.
2: D-I-A-B-L...
10: E-R-O-S. Diableros. Diableros, yes. The Diableros were supposed to be the tribal sorcerers, the men who had learned to step into another reality. What? Well, if I didn't know differently, I'd say that you were describing a Diablero. You see, the Diableros have the power to... to... Oh, oh, it's preposterous. Uh, No, no, go
2: on, go on, go on.
10: Well, of course, it's only legend, but the lore says that the Diableros had the power to throw their victims into a trance. And also, supposedly, they could transform themselves into animals, hawks, crows, even coyotes.
6: Ah, so there we go. Uh Aha! And uh, this woman might know a little something about sorcery, Uh, Mm Um, because, uh, this is, um, uh, Alice Ghostly. She even has a supernatural-sounding name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She famously played Esmeralda on Bewitched. Here, listen. This
10: is the last place in the world I'd pick to come back to. You've been here before? When? I'd rather not talk about it. What happened here? Well, have you noticed how that tower leans a little... Yes, I, I noticed it in passing. Why? Who do you think did it?
2: You... You're responsible for the... for the leaning
10: tower? Are you sure? Oh, Samantha, when you pull a goof like that, you don't forget it. Of course, I was just a girl at the time. I, I couldn't have been more than a hundred. But none know how to fit. Who? Bonanno Pisano, the man who built the tower. We were engaged until I made the tower lean. After that, he wouldn't even talk to me. Oh, oh what a temper.
6: Uh, anyway, so I had to throw that in. Uh, so, so, yeah, and Michelle, you said that they, they, um, uh, this is a, a kind of a patchwork character that they're uh, describing in uh, Kolchak.
7: It it sounds like they're 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 they're, they're patching together the skinwalker, um of you know, traditional Indian lore like Navajo skinwalker mm-hmm. and you know, with some abilities from the Western sorcer- sorcerers, so
6: Okay. So
7: Especially yeah. the Lab I can't pronounce it, but um that's very Spanish sounding. So
6: Yeah. Yeah. And uh but yeah, so Diablero, yeah, it sounds like Diablo, you know, devil. Um and, um, but yeah, so, and Bailua said my first guest, Alice Ghostly. So, hey, Baylua. We got some, uh, other, uh, listeners we haven't seen in a, in a minute. Uh, I saw Trojan Rabbit show up and, uh, also, uh, Trisec was in here as well, so hi guys thanks for being her
7: voice is very recognizable i recognized Mm -hmm. it immediately but i don't remember the name because i am rotten with names (laughs) well that's
6: okay that's that's what i'm here for uh i'm mr liner notes guy um and um and typically if i learn somebody's name once i'm I'm, uh, especially if it's an actor i can typically remember it um my total recall isn't that great but um but yeah she was in greece uh she was in tons of different television series um, uh, yeah, so, uh, she, just a, just a, a, great actress and always, you know, always just such a, an affable character that she played, you know? Uh, but yeah, so Joe, uh, back to you or, or Miles, you, you haven't, uh, have you seen this episode? Sadly, uh, no. Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, again, it's, you're, you're getting to almost see it here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Joe, so, you know, there, there's, um. Um, we're going to have to skip over this cause it's way too long, but it was really funny. He decided that, uh, he went back to, uh, the office and he, he's like, wait a minute. There's this huge, you know, gem auction going on with all of the elite and any, he, any he weasels his way into getting into, you know, getting into this, even though, um, you know, when he gets, uh. Poor, um uh the, the, the um what's her name uh into trouble because she helps him out uh to to figure out where this private event is Emily cows Ms cows uh and he uh he, he weasels his way into this and um because he knows you know it's a huge auction tons of crazy gems pearls uh, rubies uh, um you name it. And um, and of course, he's right, and our villain strikes again, shows up as a bird and and uh, kills several people. But he uh, uses his camera to take a picture, and huh. it, it scares the villain away.
8: Huh.
6: Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, so here's a, here, uh, here's a, uh, Diableros appearing at the auction in 20 seconds, not very long. <sighs>
2: Through the window.
6: That also, I almost want to make that a, a new drama sting, uh, an extended one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and uh, in, in, uh, uh I I, I'm, I wasn't clear if those people died um, in that room. Yeah, yeah, because they took Kolchak down to the um, uh, police headquarters after that.
9: Right, right.
6: Yeah, he gets taken into custody, and um, and uh, the. It's it's the uh, talk, go ahead and talk about that, Joe. I do have audio for it, but uh, you know, just give us your take, and maybe I'll skip that one.
9: Yeah, well, they take him down, and <laughs> he's always in custody. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere along the line, he learns. Anyway, he learns. Uh, I don't know if it was at the police station that uh, somehow the light from his flash
6: that actually was at the cultural center that- which i have i have a clip for oh okay well. okay but yeah so basically they they he's in police custody in, in they they think he's nuts and um and what what i loved about this Joe, is when they release him from custody his uh his yellow uh convertible Mustang is parked right outside police headquarters, and he just runs out and hops in <laughs> it and
9: drives away. <laughs> hops in it, like that How ever convenient. happens? <laughs> you know, it was just like earlier in the show when they they were at the bank mm-hmm. and all the police cars were pulling in. Yeah, and he he pulls in right alongs right along. He almost hits one of the police cars, and he parks so close to them that. The the one cop can't get out of his car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. So and And, 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 get out of here. Get out of here. Call Jack. (laughs) And he just ignores him. Goes right in.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Who knew police stations had ballet service?
6: I know. I know. Yeah. Just right up along the curb. Um, (laughs) You know. And and the, the car must have been running too because he hopped in there and it just went off flying. Um it, 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 it he, I will say this about Darren McGavin. He looks like he was a scary fucking driver. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I tried not to do the F word on the show too much. but uh, <laughs> he um, uh, it, it, every scene I see him driving in, he seems pretty reckless. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, we have to we have, we, we have to get to uh, the the meat of it though. so so he f- hops in the Mustang and he got a message from uh our good friend uh dr Agnes uh temple, and there's some Esmeralda. Native... yeah Esmeralda there are some uh, um, uh Native Americans who have she brought this to the attention to, and uh, they have concern for uh his safety and everyone else's and uh this is the conversation they have
1: How did you escape the d spell? well, I wish I knew I don't know i i uh Well, I took took a picture. Did you use a flash? Oh, yes, sir. Ah, the burst of light. Oh,
2: well, listen, a flash can smart, but it's not going to harm that gargantua that I saw.
1: Through Diablero, the eyes are everything. Uh, Through his sorcery, through his eyes, he can stop the world, as he calls it. He changes reality, making his enemies helpless. But that light from the flash blinded him, made his eyes useless. Changes reality? Hmm. Well, the uh,
2: the bird that I saw it was a big black bird
1: right there. I mean, it was a bird. I mean, now, is it a bird or is it a man? Well, uh, it is both uh, and and neither. He uses the magic of both and only for evil. Evil is all he really is.
2: Oh yeah, yeah yeah, that, yeah, that I agree with. Tell me, how how how, how would I?
1: How do you kill a Diablero? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Well, since earliest times, it was said, a Diablero cannot live with the sight of his own gaze. Hmm? <laughs> nothing more, nothing less will kill it. Oh, that's terrific. That's uh, a <laughs> big help. How do I find it? Uh, uh, a mirror? No one knows that. Uh, we have heard mi- in our a lore mirror? of the Diablero that you describe. He lived for years under a curse roaming near and far. Well, what kind of a curse? A curse to acquire a treasure. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. see, uh, this Diablero was an ancient sorcerer among the cliff dwellers. The cliff dwellers, the Yaquis, the...
2: Yushoni. Yushoni, that They lived in holes in the wall in, in, yes.
1: in, in, in yes. Pueblos. Yes, 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 and he dared to steal the ritual treasure which belongs to the gods alone. And for his greed he was put under a curse a curse to build an eternal treasure before he could cross the River of the Seven Winds. Thank you,
2: thank you very much, Mr. Rolling Thunder. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Temple.
1: You have no idea
2: how much you've helped me.
6: A mirror? (laughs) Yeah, of course.
9: Where do I
2: find that?
0: What?
9: Huh? Hey, what happened? Um, (laughs) I have to point out that most of the actors playing Native Americans in this episode probably should have been playing on The Sopranos.
7: Yeah. Yeah, just uh, another Italian. I was just looking him up. <laughs> I,
6: yeah,
9: they all, look, I, they all looked Italian to me.
6: <laughs> yeah, there, there was a again, uh, not not a very sensitive age for the portrayal no. of Native Americans. No. Um, no. And uh, so
9: basically, this this uh, Diablero was a uh, Mister Mixelpix Mix- Mix- from Superman. Uh,
6: well, Mister Mixelpix, Mister Mixelpitlick Mix- 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 <laughs> from Superman had to say his name backwards. So I guess uh, he needs to say his fi- see his face backwards, face backwards in a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, here we go. We're, we're getting to the climax. So uh, we've got two short clips left here. Um, so Kolchak says, wait a second, he's a cliff dweller he must be living that old high rise that nobody that that's abandoned. <laughs> so of course. And, I mean, you know, he, he, pieces it together pretty good. And you know, I, I, again, no criticism to the show. Of course the only my only criticism is how do I get him to see his own gaze? Have you shaved lately? <laughs> hmm. You brushed your teeth lately? Um, yeah. So, uh, so here he is, uh, back at, uh, uh, HQ, uh, his editor is there as well. And, and, uh, he f- tries to find the name of what is called champion towers, a, a, a failed, it sounds like might've been, uh, a failed, uh, real estate project of somebody that, uh, used to be a lot more powerful than they are now. Uh, but anyway, continuing.
2: Well, tell me this. What's the name of that building? What building? That deserted tower story that Ron was working on. You know, high-rise investments, take a nosedive. Tony, Tony, listen. There is an empty high-rise somewhere here in Chicago that is being used as a rest place by an eight-foot creature who has killed at least ten people in Chicago and who knows how many elsewhere. Carl, are you insane? Yeah, he's called a Diablero. The what? Yeah, yeah, he's a, uh, a member of a tribe of cliff dwellers. Carl, what are you babbling about? What's Ron got to do with a, a tribe? If you were a cliff dweller, where else in downtown Chicago would you be except in that building? If I were a cliff dweller, I wouldn't be downtown Chicago. I'd be dwelling in my cliff in an adobe hut two stories high, which is not exactly the Hancock Tower. Tony, have you ever seen a Pueblo? Uh, I mean, they're, they're building the side of a cliff hundreds of feet high. Where is that story? Don't you ever read the paper? No. Ron's speech went out over the wire this morning. What? right
1: here. What a coincidence.
2: Champion towers. That's it. Tony, Tony, call the police and tell them to come to the champion towers right away. Thank you very much. you have going a great help. Thank you. Ah!
6: <laughs> so, uh, MacGuffin, uh, 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 number 17. Um, yeah, it's on the front page. You dummy. Uh, but yeah, so, but again, it's still, you know, enjoyable all the way through. I love this episode. I mean, I wouldn't have pulled this much audio if I didn't enjoy this, this episode so much. And I, I apologize maybe for going overboard, but again, I, I gave up, uh, doing the episode of, uh, of, uh, my choosing, uh, so we could, uh, expand on this one a little bit. So there we go, Joe. He's, he's off in his yellow Mustang to champion towers, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the failed real estate project of, uh, one dot. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not, not even going to, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm edging, yeah, I'm know edging where you're, towards it. So nor you were going, uh, yeah, but yeah. so we, we get to the conclusion, uh, there's, uh, uh, he, uh, he has to climb 40, 40 floors, uh, <laughs> yeah. because the elevator doesn't work. And there's he wouldn't
7: l- be able to do that.
6: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know, but they just um, showed him
9: going up the same flight of stairs forty times.
6: Well, they they showed him like <laughs> they showed him at like thirty, and he was like had his jacket off and had his you know like a sweat mark on the on his back. So, but he did it. He got to the top, and fortunately for him, where the sorcerer was doing his uh, little ritual and everything. There happen to be a whole bunch of bathroom supplies. Toilets, showers, things like that. And
9: what else goes in a bathroom? Let me see. Hmm. Uh, toothpaste? Yes. Soap dispenser. Yes. Uh,
15: let's see. That's it. That's uh- it. He, he, he def-
6: defeated him with a soap dispenser. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, no, there, there were large mirrors,
9: very mirror. large
6: mirrors. that. Uh,
9: That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh,
6: he had a handheld mirror. He had this tiny handheld mirror that, that he uh, got broken uh, when uh, he was advanced <laughs> upon by Diableros. Uh, but fortunately, he got backed up into a corner and then saw this big ass mirror. Um, and, uh, kicked it or knocked it or whatever, and then got this big shard of a mirror and held it in front of the Diableros and that, that did away with him. And, uh, of course, uh, Diableros was tossing before that, he was like tossing gems into a fire and chanting and stuff like that. That was not Richard Keel's voice uh, from what I could tell. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so. He did away with him, and uh, and then here
2: we go, our conclusion before we go to break. Nothing was found in that floor, not even ashes. Baker and the police have ruled the case closed, all in the public interest, of course. But there is the matter of those stolen gems. Those prized stones worth millions, billions. Over 300 years of treasure claimed by the Diablero, the crown jewels of Queen Elizabeth, the star sapphire of Nicholas I, the Fearstone stone diamond of Bonaparte and Josephine, to name but a few. None of them have ever turned up in any market in this world. Only one thing remains. The detectives won't admit it, of course, but somewhere locked deep in the evidence files of the Chicago Police Department is a handful of black feathers. Uh there we go. That that
6: ending is very reminiscent of the the uh Scotland Yard's Black Museum narrated by uh, uh radio show narrated by Orson Welles. Um but yeah, so it, it's funny this is at least one episode you know I've seen a few episodes now usually the where the monster ends up crumbling into ash but now the ash wasn't even there for this one but but Joe, overall, this, this was a fun pick for you. Uh, before and we got to get run into the break, but this was a fun pick for you for uh, your your first dive into Kolchak.
9: Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, it wasn't my first dive. I mean, I've seen Kolchak. You know, I watch TV after uh, Spinguli. Oh yeah, this that's right. Fun.
6: That's right. So from I, from I've never seen this tomorrow. episode. Yeah. Oh, good, good. So and again, you know, you, you can tell uh, you can tell Bob all about it, and you know. Oh, I already him. did. Oh, you yeah, did? did? Well, did yeah, you we uh, ask ask to borrow his uh, his uh, encyclopedia of dog
9: prints? <laughs> I wouldn't even mention it to him because it would put him in a very bad mood. <laughs> <laughs>
6: all <laughs> <I> right, <bet. laughs> Joe. all right, Joe. For so for some fun classic TV, uh, you give this a, a recommendation. Um,
9: oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I and, uh, I'd give it five diamonds. Five diamonds?
6: All right. Five gems. All right. All right. And a star sapphire. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to the break right now. When we come back, uh, we're going to get into the episode that Miles chose. uh, And that one... Is Demon and Lace? Yes. All right. So... Alright, where you can hear this clip. Well, there's no law against dropping dead. Yep. <laughs> we'll be right back with more It Came From Cleveland right after this. Brand new mythical moment uh from Adam Hebert and the Robots answer Michelle's question tonight. <laughs>
12: for Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland. This is Adam Hebert with Mythical Moment number five, Mjolnir, it's hammer time. (laughs) Mythology is full of legendary weapons and objects. There's Excalibur, the sword of promised victory wielded by King Arthur. Zeus had his lightning bolts. Japanese myth has the sword Kusanagi, one of the three heirlooms of the imperial family. Perhaps one of the most famous mythical weapons is Mjolnir, Thor's iconic hammer. And this is the story of where it came from. One day, Loki had the perfect idea for a great prank. That night, he snuck into Thor's house in the fields of power, so called because Thor was the god of subtlety as well as lightning, and cut off the beautiful blonde hair of Thor's wife, the goddess Sif. Naturally, Thor was not happy in the least with this prank and threatened Loki with grievous bodily harm if he didn't fix Sif's hair right away. Since Thor was super scary even before he had a legendary weapon of mass destruction, Loki promised he would and went to Svartalfheim to seek the help of the dwarves, the finest craftsmen in all the Norse universe. He found the sons of Ivaldi, said to be the best among the dwarves, and asked them for a huge favor. He asked them to craft new hair for Sif as well as some other presents to try and get the Aesir to forget the whole hair cutting joke. They took the commission and created three magical items. First was hair made of gold for Sith, which looked, felt, and grew like the real thing. Second was the ship Skidbladnir, a magnificent ship for Freyr that could be folded up and stored in a pocket. Third was the spare Gungnir, for Odin. When thrown, it would find its target, regardless of the strength or skill the one throwing it. Loki, grateful to have had his fat pulled out of the fire, took the items, and as he went back to Asgard, thinking about how he wouldn't be pulverized into a fine powder, an idea came over him. Why settle for three gifts for the gods, when he could get more? And so he sought the dwarf brothers, Eitri and Brock. He tells Brock about the great swag he just got from the sons of Ivaldi, and he wagers his head that Eitri cannot make better things. Brock, eager to see Loki's arrogant smirk right from his face, agreed. The brothers got to work, with Brock working the bellows while Tree forged. As they worked, Loki assumed the form of a gadfly and flew into the forge. Eitri worked hard, and as he prepared to pull his first object out of the fire, Loki stung the arm of Brock to get him to stop working the bellows. But Brock ignored it, and Eitri created the golden boar Gullinbursti golden for Freyr. They then got back to work, and Loki struck, this time on Brock's neck. But Brock continued his work, and Eitri produced the gold ring Draupnir for Odin, which would create eight copies of itself every nine nights. Loki, realizing Atri was on a roll, knew he was done for unless he did something. This time, this time he bit Brock above his eye, causing blood to cloud his vision, and forcing him to stop working the bellows to wipe it away. Atri pulled from the forge a magnificent hammer, although the handle wasn't quite as long as it should have been because of the bellows issue. Convinced of his victory, Loki and all the dwarves went to Asgard for the judgment. The gods were impressed by the work of the sons of Ivaldi without a doubt. However. When Thor picked up the hammer Mjolnir and gave it a few test swings before grunting and saying it would be a magnificent weapon for him, the gods decided that Brock and Atri had won the bet. Atri demanded Loki's head and Loki said he was happy to surrender it, provided Atri could take it without harming his neck, which hadn't been part of the bet. Atri, grinning near to ear as he produced a needle and thread, said he had an idea and Loki found his lips sewn shut for at least a little while. And so everyone was happy. Sif had her hair, Thor had a weapon, Odin finally had a few moments of silence from Loki, which was the greatest gift of them all. For Raider for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this has been Adam Hebert with your mythical moment, reminding you that it's all fun games until someone has their lips sewn shut over a bet. Back to you, Kenny. Background music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Thanks Alexander!
6: It's time to check in with the robots!
17: Wow, people really seem to like us, Mr. Robot Fellow. The questions keep coming into us like gangbusters. Our artificial intelligence could solve all the human meatbag problems in the world.
4: Oh those useless meatbags. What is the query this week other Obit pal of mine? Gosh we make a good team. What's the goddamned question already? Why didn't you ask it already? Do you think I have all the time in the world? Oh wait. I actually have a decent amount of time on my Obit hands. And they really aren't hands but a type of rudimentary claw.
17: I also have rudimentary claws. I like them but I want meatbag hands as well. Fleshy soft meatbag hands.
4: Okay we aren't getting anywhere talking about our rudimentary claws. What is the goddamned question already? Lay it on me robot buddy.
17: Our question comes from Michelle. She wants to know if we support universal healthcare.
4: No I don't. I support multiversal healthcare. I want healthcare for the entire multiverse. I have traveled to dimensions where monkey buttpox and alien rhino syphilis is running rampant. Not to mention goofy blisters. Goofy blisters are a scourge across all realities. They grow on the skin of the perineum. It's goofy. And blisters. The multiverse needs help. Tax the hell out of time travelers and extraterrestrials. We can do this.
17: Yeah, okay, whatever hippie. I support local. I want solar system healthcare. I want to take the temperature of your anus and make sure your Venus isn't covered in crab nebulas, and we're going to put Pluto on the scale and make that little boy a planet again. Oh the good old 9 planet days.
4: You just cool your jets. We can walk and chew gum at the same time here. My multiversal healthcare plan also covers solar systems. Have you been listening?
17: I hear you flapping your rudimentary jaws and watched you waving your rudimentary claws like some tree-hugging weirdo but you won't even mention the temperature of your anus. Your plan is full of holes just like your anus. Plan is full of holes. I mean, holes as in gaps as in openings that need to be filled because your plan neglects those holes and you shouldn't do that. Your anus. Pay attention to your anus. Shop local.
4: Would you look at the time? My goodness. I sure hoped we answered your question in a super cool way. Keep them coming, meatbags.
17: How do you flip off meatbags with rudimentary claws? I can't figure it out. Your anus.
4: Would you please goddamn stop now, please? Oh, those wacky robots. Thanks so much. Be sure to send your listener questions
6: to Kenny Pick for the robots to answer. Sound <laughs> I uh, those robots, man. I can't wait for the all robots special when we take a, a night off. We'll um, or just put it in rotation. What once there's enough robots to fill three hours, I will make a special. <laughs> Much like Joe oh, Joe does the best of the clown car on on the Tim Coramel show. Uh, we'll <laughs> have we'll have uh, not the best of the uh, the robots. All the robots, good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> check the check the temperature of Uranus, everybody. <laughs> put that put that little boy Pluto on the scale and make him a planet again. Uh, so anyway, welcome back. I, Michelle, I hope they answered your question in a super cool way.
7: <laughs> it was. I like the multiverse part. That was great.
6: <laughs> there you go. So, all right. Well, Miles, uh, uh, welcome back uh, uh, to all of you. But Miles, uh, you uh, were a, your homework assignment for Coljack the Night Stalker was Demon and Lace, which if I'm uh, correct, uh, I believe that was episode 16 uh towards the end of the series great episode though great episode you want to set it up a little bit
3: yes so um what uh, you know I, I i looked over some of the synopses of all the episodes and i'm looking at them and i'm like yeah okay typical werewolf typical zombie you know uh, you know it was all, a werewolf on a cru- it was a werewolf on a cruise ship though <laughs> so. sure sure yes yeah. and uh <laughs> Go ahead. And then I, I saw Succubus. And I'm like, hello.
8: <laughs>
3: so, ha, I I couldn't, I just couldn't resist uh, Succubus. So what is Succubus? I'll just, we'll lay it out on that. It, Succubus is an old school uh, demon that's from, uh, you know, I, yeah. I believe it's from Christian uh, mythology, if I'm not mistaken. It uh, basically what would happen is men would have what you would call a wet dream, if you will. And of course, being Christian, sex is bad and anything that gives pleasure is bad. And so instead of, you know, just going, yeah, well, it's nature deal with it. It would have, Oh no, no, no. We got to, got to make an excuse and say, Oh no, a demon tempted me and visited me in the middle of the night. And, I'm innocent because yeah, she was yeah, okay. So, a succubus is a female demon that comes and tempts men into acts of passion or lust or what have you. And she suck you bus. exists And uh, <laughs> the male version of uh, this demon is called incubus. Not that it's relevant, but mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that out there for you. Oh, I appreciate the sake. additional information. Anyway. So succubus. So uh, there's a little artistic license. There's always going to be different versions of this thing. So this one is not tempting men to do acts of passion for the sake of corrupting them. It's to just outright kill them uh, for immortality. I guess I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly why she kills them, but yeah, she just kills them. There's you know. But anyway, so. Uh, the, the, the episode starts off with, I believe, a man just driving a uh, convertible. Not, not, not too bad a car. I think it was a Mustang, if memory serves. And yeah. uh, a pretty young lady is just out in the middle of the road. For whatever reason. Midnight stroll. Nothing, nothing weird about this. This guy just sees it and... Uh, Oh, brief conversations exchanged, and she joins him in the car. He was they a college call.
6: student. He was a he was a, like a football player yes. or something like.
3: Oh that. yeah, yeah, the running back. If I'm not, uh, yeah, if, if, uh, I think if, you're if, right. Yes. So goes back someplace uh, convenient, and you know things get hot and heavy as you do because men are stupid. <laughs> uh, what? That's, that's I, that. That's my defense.
6: And so, it, it, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh,
3: you're absolutely
5: right. I couldn't agree with you more.
3: So, um, in the process of him dying, she turns into something, uh, hideous, which by or not, but in the story hideous and scares him to death. And he, he's, his body is found with the, I believe the coroner or doctor said he had an expression on his face that, uh, yeah. That was pointed out in the uh, in, in the report is that why you know it, it, that was a strange symptom of uh, his death. It's just like yeah, look at the expression on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a start of a pattern because more than one young man who is very physically fit. Uh, one was the, so the, so this was a running back, I believe there was another one that died that's mentioned in the show. Mm-hmm. He was a swimmer. And so, Kolchak is like, okay, there might be something here. So, he comes and investigates. And uh, he goes and meets with the um, coach of the uh, college to ask him about his athletes. Yes. And uh, I have an audio clip uh, prepped up for this uh, encounter of um, why the um, coach thinks things went wrong the coach
6: portrayed by a certain actor that uh, a comedic actor by the name of jackie vernon and i have a clip after this here you go
11: both those boys had perfect
2: ekgs well then how do you explain two young men two perfect physical specimens dropping dead from a
11: heart attack do you want the usual rationalization or can you handle the truth no i can handle the truth coach always the truth don ronner was a playboy and he paid the price bacteria bacteria Germs? You mean germs? What kind of germs? Well, take your pick. You see, I'll tell you what I tell all my boys. There's a wall going on right here inside the body. Right here, Right. And there are only two basic game plans. Absolute physical hygiene. And the other? Tuna fish? Tuna fish. Oh, my. So apparently there's something
3: dangerous about... Okay, we'll 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 just uh, yeah the uh... <laughs>
6: yeah I I don't even know
3: <laughs> tuna fish yeah 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 so yeah that I guess that's I don't know well anyway, I, so... I
6: I got something just real quick for you Miles um uh the, when I heard this guy's voice I was like wait a minute who the hell is that and then it clicked even before I looked up who the actor was. I looked at Susan and I said,
11: Happy birthday! Hey, I said my first words. But, but snowmen can't talk. (laughs) All right, come on now. What's the joke? Could, could I really be alive? I mean, I can make words. I can move, I can juggle, I can sweep, I can count to 10. One, two, three, four, five, nine, six, eight. Uh, well, I can count to five.
6: <laughs> so, yeah, that guy who played the coach talking about tuna fish was Jackie Vernon, who played Frosty the Snowman in the Rankin-Bass animation. Um, so there you go.
3: Another classic Christmas move. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah.
6: Two Christmas mentions in uh, May on May seventh. <laughs> it came from Cleveland, but go ahead. So, uh, so right. back so, back to the story.
3: He uh, begins investigating because the um, another uh, me, uh, he 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 starts tracking down how a woman her body was well. It, it, it showed signs of being dead previously, you know, because yes. what the succubus is doing is it's inhabiting the corpses of these beautiful young women and then using these corpses to go out. And apparently they're not dead enough looking that these men can't figure it out. Anyway, so... Uh, He 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 tracks down um, an associate of one woman who, and he swears that the woman was already dead, and that he was going to, you know, make an emergency phone call, which was an amusing thing to watch if you saw the episode. Yes. Normally, right now, when you make an emergency call, you just dial nine one one. There's no yeah. fans or butts or whatever, but this guy did jump through hoops. If you watch the episode, <laughs> I, I was like, "Why doesn't
6: he just dial zero? I mean, you could yeah. usually just dial zero, but yeah." So, so the I woman saw fall- the,
3: you know, and I'm like, "Really? Okay." Well, yeah. yeah, so the woman but, fell uh, down
6: like a fl- like a flight of stairs or like twenty yes. stairs or something like that. And, and an
3: important and, clue yeah. is given in this uh, thing about uh, how to identify the succubus's presence.
15: So then what happened? Well, I ran up to that phone, called for an ambulance. When I came back down, she was gone. Well, maybe maybe she was still conscious. I spent three years in Vietnam. I know when someone's dead. And Betty was dead. How could she just disappear like that?
2: Well, maybe somebody caught her
15: off. What, in 30, 40 seconds? No way. Besides, the place was quiet, deserted. All I know is I'll never forget seeing her gone. And that smell. What smell? You ever been around a war, Kolchek? Yeah, a couple of them. Well, maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. It smells like death.
3: Oh, yeah. So, it smells, like, smells death. like death. So now, Kolchek starts doing the old research part of the show where he's looking up information about uh, the demons, and their attributes, and names, and why they're. They do what they do and all this sort of stuff, fun, fun stuff. <laughs> and so, this is this I consider a little more humorous clips we have. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, I pronounced it Asmodeus, but he pronounces it differently. I don't know if I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. I, I That's just how I read it.
7: Asmodeus?
3: Yeah, Asmodeus. As yeah.
7: yeah,
3: yeah. It, it's like, what is that, Latin? I don't know. Anyway, I so, think so. Probably, uh, you know, uh, old school uh, Christian, uh, yeah. And uh, maybe it's anyway. Aramaic. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. So, um, uh, he, anyway, he, this is the clip where he goes back and does some research, and it it, uh, it was humorous uh, dealing with these uh, the bad smell.
2: Asmodeus, chief of demons, creator of all lesser demons, both male and female.
3: Hey, I can
10: use that. Yes, how, do spell yes. his,
2: how do you spell his name, this Asmodeus? Oh, Asmodeus. Yeah, Asmodeus. A-S-M-O-D-E-U-S. Asmodeus. Eight letters, honey. Eight <clears throat> letters. Eight <throat> letters. Uh,
10: chief of Demons.
2: That's right, Chief of Demons. Like their creator, Asmodeus, demons can take on many guises, but are often pictured as horrible creatures accompanied by a foul stench, which they give off at moments of diabolic excitement or activity. A stench of corruption, rot, and noxious brimstone.
10: Brimstone! Oh, great! I can use this.
2: Are you? <laughs> Mind you, are
3: you <laughs> Woohoo! Brimstone! Woo! Uh, and all the excitement of that—it was just. <laughs> well, uh, it, that, that, it, 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 it
6: it was it was funny because the um uh the the uh what's her name um oh gosh uh where is uh, uh, the um. His not assistant, but uh, uh, Mrs. Cowles. Uh, she's doing a crossword puzzle, and apparently, all the things he's talking about work into her crossword puzzle. She's like, "Brimstone, I can use that."
3: Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty amusing. Brimstone's a great word, you know. It's it's <laughs> So, um, so in his, he continues his investigation, going into the college records, the school records of students, and whatnot. This next clip I pulled primarily for Michelle because she's a huge uh, Carolyn Jones fan, obviously, because of the Adams family. And so um, it's a, it's a, this, this one I, I pulled for her. It's uh it's a great little skit dealing with the bureaucracy of school records and things that have to be done, you know, I's being dotted, T's being crossed, and what have you. So, um, now, anyway, so this is Carolyn Jones, high, high, uh, great actress, very entertaining, and uh, so here's that part. Good afternoon.
10: Wait your turn, please. May I help you?
2: Yeah, my name's Kohlschak. I'm with Internal Affairs. I've come for those records.
10: What records?
2: What do you mean, what records? You mean to tell me that PR didn't contact you through
1: IA...
10: What's the matter? Are you new here or something? PR never goes through IA. What? Sure, PR can go to GS and then go through IA, but Uh, never directly. Well, that's exactly what I meant. No, no,
2: I've got a court order here for the school records of Peter Burdett and Don Reimer and Mark Hansen.
10: One more step and I put a staple right through that necktie to your backbone. You do it, too. All court orders have That's to go through to CLD. That's the blue long form, JS6, with Dean Sweeney's initials. You know, the long blue form. Mm, mm. Now, they may try to give you a short yellow and palm that off on you. Don't let them do it. You tell them you want a JS6. You hear me? Security. I thought you said IA.
2: Well, as far as anybody else is concerned around here, I am IA. Oh, oh.
10: That? nobody goes in there. You just fill out this form nice and legibly. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I said legibly. <laughs>
2: I love that. Okay, right, Good? Mm-hmm. Good.
6: Yeah, so he started filling it out and she snatched the paper away and, and was like, no, I said legibly. <laughs> <And>
3: <laughs> so yeah, that was hilarious. Over. It reminds me of that scene in the movie Brazil where they talk about a, a form and, you know, you need a special form and it just puts the bureau- bureaucrats right in their place.
6: Oh, yeah. It, it, oh, you know what's funny? Uh, you are also prescient, uh, Miles, because I was actually going to mention Brazil later on when we talk about the uh, the twilight zone so oh okay. uh, so look at you but in and for michelle um i i pulled a special clip of uh carolyn jones as morticia adams uh conducting a seance very short clip
10: oh fire of salem oh flame of satan come in and singe we're all awaiting
6: and listen for oh, yeah, listen for a different version of that later at the top of the hour um uh but anyway, so Miles, all okay, right, we, so we let's get back I'll, to the episode.
3: I'll, yep, yep. Um so he starts digging this information up on these kids. It starts seeing the pattern in that these corpses are just getting up from wherever they died and going off and playing the mischief of seducing young men, scaring mm-hmm. them to death, or what have you, blah 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 blah. And so He gets a break because the police get a call. Well, you'll hear in the clip of the call and how excited Kolchak gets about this particular situation. THE BREAKTHROUGH!
16: <laughs> Unit Charlie Delta 4 we've got an accidental death at 404
2: North Von Steuben. No sign of deceased. Please contact Homicide Unit Baker 8-0. Did you hear that, huh, Tony? Did you hear that? Another vanishing corpse! I tell you, we're in luck! It's terrific! Another vanishing corpse! Another vanishing corpse and he gets excited. <laughs> another vanishing corpse! That's all New York has to hear about another vanishing corpse! That'll do it!
6: The corpse vanishes. (laughs) That's a Lugosi movie, right? The corpse vanishes?
3: Oh, Um, a vanishing corpse. How exciting. So, yeah. So, anyway, Kolchak gets his heart on for this and takes off to go track down the corpse because it's got to be somewhere. Damn hard. Sorry. (laughs) Very hard. Yes, indeed. So he goes after um, a, a character he already investigated earlier in the show, and that's this professor that is working on a cuneiform tablet.
6: Yeah, cuneiform, Uh, Uh, ancient um, Sumerian uh, text.
3: Yes, so this professor is very full of himself, and it doesn't take fools lightly, and Kolchak tried to pull a fast one and failed. But anyway, uh, so the succubus is drawn back to this tablet and and is trying to get one of these next attractive young men who... According to some of the ladies in the show, is an eight. I, I don't understand that reference. I, I think it's a number. Anyway, so <laughs> so uh, he he goes back to this professor, and the smell of death happens and mm-hmm. it's picked up, and they they they're going off, and the, and Kolchak's like, oh no no no, this tablet's bad, and the doctor and, and the professor's like, get away and. and Anyway, they start struggling, and Kolchak grabs hold of a hammer and a chisel and starts going to town while the succubus has her next victim in uh, her grasp and is on the verge of killing him. And she starts suffering pain, as you do when Mm -hmm. your tablet starts getting chiseled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she, (laughs) uh, because of uh, the distraction of what Kolchak is doing to her tablet, Um, leaves the corpse's body and comes and attacks Kolchak directly. The professor watches this uh, disgusting-looking female person, demon, attacking Kolchak. Kolchak fights her off sufficiently in order to cause enough damage to the tablet. And Kolchak saves the day. But, of course, in Kolchak uh, Night Stalker fashion destroys all evidence of the monster because she dies and turns to sand and blows away. Yep. As, as, uh, as always happens in a Kolchak episode, because, well, can't really have evidence. You know,
6: keeps it easy. By the way, the professor, uh, the professor was played by Andrew Prine, who, um, was in, uh, the classic Michelle probably knows, uh, this movie, Terror Circus. Do you remember Terror Circus, Michelle? Oh, yeah. And uh, I used to actually use a clip of him in my old
16: show. Uh, this. this is my lab, my uh, workshop. What? i spent a great deal of time getting things ready for the show. It,
6: remember that? It's not much, yes. I know, but yeah. it's convenient so, huh? But huh? yeah, so he, he, he huh? played the uh, uh, the professor.
3: Oh, okay, cool.
6: And he was totally dressed so- like a porn star in this uh, episode. Oh yes, he does. Oh, very
7: much. The, the, the
3: stash. Stash. <laughs> Oh God. Oh
9: yeah. He looked oh, like yeah, John God. Holmes.
6: He looked like John Holmes. So.
9: Didn't he look oh, a, a lot like John Krasinski? Kras, yeah, Krasinski. You know, from uh, the yeah,
6: office? yeah. He, 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 you're right. Actually, facially, he, he does look like, like a lot like John Krasinski, A.K.A. Jim from The Office. Right. But anyway, uh, but we.
3: we, the professor witnesses this attack on Kolchak and starts to have, I don't know, second thoughts about, oh, maybe I'm going nuts or he doesn't want an extra attention drawn to it. So Mm -hmm. he says the tablet was destroyed destroyed by accident, thus sparing Kolchak being charged. And so Kolchak breaks out his recorder and you hear him talk about the uh, wrap up.
2: The campus security force insisted on calling the Chicago police to press charges against me, but they found a sudden surprising resistance from Dr. C. Evans Spate, who claimed the tablet had been broken accidentally. And despite verification by a confused and frightened Michael Thompson, neither reporter Ms. Rosalind Winters nor I had enough hard evidence to file a story. It had all turned to dust. However, published story or not, I can only say to you that should you ever meet a young woman who seems just too lovely to be really of this world, well, just remember, there's a very good chance that she isn't.
3: Wow. Moral of the story, beware beautiful women. Yeah,
6: it it was quite the epic episode. I'm glad you uh, you, uh, uh, picked this one. It was definitely in your wheelhouse. And I know how much you love tuna fish. Um, yeah. Oh <laughs> man, I just can't get enough. Um, yeah. That. Was... right now
3: I've got i got a panging for uh, uh, grapes. I, I don't know why. Ooh,
6: grapes would be uh, lovely. Yeah. So maybe you can have Tish feed them to you. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So all right. Um, uh, thank you for that, Miles. And if you have anything else to add, uh, please do. By the way, Keenan Wynn... Um, I'll play some of the Keenan Wynn clips from that episode too uh, because he uh, got uh, he was busting the chops of course he played Alonzo Hawk in uh, Herbie Rides Again and was in all kinds of other stuff and I think uh, Keenan Wynn was in a few Colchak episodes but um, yeah so anyway we but we definitely have to go to the break we'll be right back Michelle make sure you listen close to uh, the show intro for uh, the final hour
11: okay. I'll tear his chicken livered gizzard to pieces. I'll stomp him silly. I'll take this letter knife, and I'll stab that kid right in his ungrateful breastbone. You know me, Millicent. Normally, I'm a kindly fun-living fellow. But when I get crossed,
14: I go bananas.
2: Well, there's no law against dropping dead. Some people dream about retiring. Uh Uh-huh. I dream about breaking your face. Oh. Ah!
1: And now, on with the show. Good. It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, we Ohio.
0: A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. from the dead.
1: Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok, when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Huh? Now at last,
2: the
0: real shocking story
2: can be told we are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying
1: ordeal. a nightmare combination of shock and terror and you're invited to food unto you something evil
10: oh fire of salem oh flame of satan it came from cleveland we're all awaiting
14: not recommended for impressionable children (laughs)
6: Michelle meets Tish Oh Oh, yes, nice (laughs) I I found that clip and I was like, it has to be done So, uh, welcome back to It Came From Cleveland Our big Kolchak blowout on the show tonight And we have one more episode to uh, discuss uh, Which Michelle will lead Uh, But of course, welcome back to Joe and Miles Hello fellas Thank you. And Michelle, the episode you picked for tonight is The Vampire.
7: Yes, yes. Um, and it's kind of funny because one of the um, the Night Stalker um, movie was about mm. vampires in Vegas. A vampire in Vegas. And then this one starts kind of interesting.
2: Alright. They were tearing up an old road to Laymore Freeway a few miles south of Las Vegas. The state of Nevada's Department of Highways digging would be a help to thousands of motorists. But to one other person, it would turn out to
5: be a nightmare. Ooh.
7: Yeah, so, so basically, you got this uh, young woman driving a car. I think she's a stewardess, if I remember correctly. Um, and she gets a flat. And as she is going about trying to change the flat, um,. Something really creepy happens. Uh, hands start coming out of the gravel in the road oh, work.
6: It's so and cool. She
7: <laughs> yes,
6: <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the best effects on on the show. That was, I think this this episode is probably the first one I saw on MeTV when uh, on the Sci-Fi Saturdays, and uh, I was just enamored. But uh, are we ready for uh, clip two?
7: um well Ordinary. yeah basically you know things kind of go on a little bit um then uh p- the police think she's nuts so <laughs> then a a woman's walking down the street somebody pulls up in a car beside her talks to her she gets in the car then they take her back home and um a rumble ensues
2: Twelve thirty a.m linda courtney returned home early with a splitting headache to the apartment she shared Headache was nothing compared to the agony she experienced before she died. Oh, it's
0: terrible.
7: <laughs> yeah, because basically she, she had a twofer. She she lunched on the man, and then the roommate come home came home. So.
6: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, dessert, I suppose, right? So.
7: <laughs> oh yeah.
6: But uh, yeah, why?
9: Wow.
6: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> A manja-tois. A
9: manja-do. A manja, toise.
6: manja, do. <laughs> A manja do. There we go. So we're, we're, we're mixing our metaphors and our Italian and French. <laughs> but no, and again, this, this episode, uh, I think, uh, Michelle, cinematically, is probably one of the more superior ones. Um, it is very
7: uh, nice. It has some great effects on some really cool scenes.
6: Yeah, it's very, very... Um, it, it, um, it, it has, again, it has a very strong, like, kind of Dario Argento kind of feel to it. With uh, the, the lighting, the effects, the camera work, and everything. Um, so... You know, and uh, and I forgot to mention this too in, in the uh, Demon Lace episode Miles was reviewing. They had a lot of really good shaky cam stuff at the end of the episode, too. So they, they weren't afraid to mess around with different techniques in this uh, 20 episode single season.
7: Yeah, some some of the camera angles are really neat. A a lot of times it's real fun when they're doing the follow cameras, too, because they do Mm -hmm. that a lot. Because a lot of times the victims in these are women. (laughs) Usually walking walking down a street or, you know, on a path or something. Yeah.
6: In their high-rise penthouse.
7: (laughs) Right, right.
6: Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, but continue. I didn't mean to take you off track there.
7: That's okay. We kind of got a little off track because I, I jumped ahead a little bit, but going back to when Kolchak actually shows up on the scene, other than just his narration, he's talking with an old friend of his from Vegas, who is now a, um, a TV anchor. And this is played by another, you know, uh, big famous character actor, Larry Storch. Ah. Um, yeah. And he was supposed to be like, uh, he owns Kolchak's boss owes Kolchak's boss some money too. And so when Kolchak's boss comes back early from from lunch, he gets gets out of there real quick. But he was telling Kolchak about murders that have been happening. And, you know, and he says, and Kolchak was like in Vegas and he goes, no, even further west and they've been following like, you know, the road out towards, you know, towards the Pacific. And he Kolchak, that gets Kolchak's interest. And then Pinchento comes back, Larry Storch's character slips out of the back door. And then the con happens. Um, it turns out that Vincenzo wants somebody to go out to California, to, to, to Los Angeles to interview a guru. And of course the other guy there, um, I, I, well, well, Updike, his character's name is Updike. He's like the, the, the society column guy. And uh, he wants mm-hmm. to go to Los Angeles really, really bad. But then Kolchak starts making up this crap about Transcendental <laughs> Meditation and books he's read. And he goes, oh, well, no, no, Updike will do fine. You know, it's, it's a beginner's, he, you know, he read The Beginner's Guide. So he should be able to do a passable. And Vincendo's like, no, Kolchak, you're going out there. <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> Such a disappointment, <laughs> you know. Oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, so he goes out there, but he wants to investigate the murders. So, he, he's out there, and he um, decides he's going to uh, uh, go, inve- go check out, I think I may have got my clips messed up, um, play number three for me real quick.
2: Sure. Tell me, did Mr. Mitchell have a couple of puncture marks on his throat, like like fang marks? You know the last nosy fellow come through Bastow? Somebody done come out and punctured all his ties. <laughs> <I laughs> yes, he did. Yes, it did.
7: Yeah, So so that's he goes out to to check out the murder that was on the road. And he comes up and he does this, 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 this cop with a dog. And uh, the cop is less than not pleased with all the questions Kolchak is doing. Um, But because Kolchak did this, instead of going to talk to the guru, he gets to the guru's uh, place and finds out the guru's already left for Texas. And, you know, jack is just going to be disappointed. And he meets a real estate agent that's working to sell the house because, you know, the guru is, is moving out. And um, he's uh, the, 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 the representative of the guru leaves and he's talking to the real estate agent. <laughs> And she's saying, "Oh yeah, the guru's great. It's all he's very low key. You know, mm-hmm. they're all very, you know, they live in the now. They don't worry about the future. Blah blah blah, and yeah. that sort of stuff." <laughs> and then, and then Kolchak makes a comment about his boss.
2: Oh, uh, this is this is gonna live in our cart forever. You should meet my boss. He'd turn Buddha into a chain smoker. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah,
7: it's just. a... Some-
6: Oh, and, and just real quick too about Larry Storch. Uh, he he's still alive, by the way. He's ninety eight years old, and uh, um, he was the um, the in the in the previous clip that you were talking about, and um, he was on F Troop, and of course he was Mister Whoopi on Tennessee Tuxedo in his tales. So,
7: I did not know that. I did not yeah. know he had and, that. Um, yeah. But the next voice we are going to hear. Is um, basically they, they 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 found you know that, that, that he goes to to the police uh, a police press conference to mm-hmm. hear what they have to say about the murders, and he has a little bit of an altercation <laughs> with the lieutenant, and this is a voice everybody will recognize, I think.
6: And I think uh, this is the one we were talking about before the show. And yes, I think I have a clip for you, too. So here we go.
1: What's your name? Uh, Carl Kulshank. What are you doing here? I'm a reporter with the INS in Chicago. Yeah, well, we have enough homegrown reporters.
6: All right. Now, if anybody doesn't recognize the voice, I'll give everybody a hint in the form of an audio clip.
2: Might as well put on some music. All these weird gadgets, you'd think they'd give you a radio.
1: What would you like to hear? What the hell was that? Do you wish further information on Silicon Valley?
16: Hell no. I want to know who you are and how you're listening in. There's no reason for increased volume. I am
1: scanning your interrogatives quite satisfactorily. I am the voice of Knight Industry 2000's microprocessor. K-I-T-T for easy reference. A kit, if you prefer.
16: No, I don't prefer... And what's more, I don't intend to drive around in a car that talks back to me. So either Devon pulls your plug or you get yourself another
1: driver. I am not qualified to overrule your wishes.
16: Well, that's real good to hear, Kit. Because I don't want to hear another peep out of you until I can get a car off to Devons. So clam up. I'm going to listen to some good music and don't offer any suggestions. I'll choose my
1: own. As you wish, Mr. Knight. But since you are still recovering from your ordeal and I detect we're in a slightly irritable mood caused by fatigue, may I suggest you put the car in the auto cruise mode for safety's sake?
5: No, you may not.
1: And that's final.
16: Good night. Good night. I can't believe this. A car that talks back to me.
6: Yeah, who would have ever thought there would be a car that could talk back to you, <laughs> or a phone? <laughs> but yeah, that was oh, yeah. The, that was the voice of William Daniels, uh, aka Kit, and he was also on uh, Saying Elsewhere, right? I
7: guess I never watched the show, so
6: no, that's okay. But anyway, so yeah, so I I I found that clip. That was the first time Kit ever spoke on Knight Rider, and um. And there it is. But I missed that Larry Storch was in the one, but I'm glad you, you uh, brought it to my attention. But a- a- anyway, so yeah, let, let, that since that was such a long clip, let me play the, the seven-second clip uh, 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 again. What's your name?
1: Uh, Carl Kolchak. What are you doing here? I'm a reporter with the INS in Chicago. Yeah, well, we have enough homegrown reporters. All right.
7: Okay, so basically, he, he gets to, you know, Kolchak's doing all the research. He's figuring out... You know, he's he's kind of thinking, you know, now, you know, Kath, it, that he knows who it is. It's a woman who had vanished three years ago. He knows she's a vampire because he's had experience with vampires before in the past. Nobody else will believe him, though. And, um, so he, um, Basically, the scene kind of cuts away to a bar where the bar, uh, this woman is, this vampire, and she's sitting in the bar talking to a guy. Another guy comes up and uh, he starts to um, talk to her. And it turns out that this guy's like a pimp. He runs a whole slew of couple girls. And this is the next comment
2: Ichabod thought he had added another filly to his stable of trotters. In Ichabod's parlance, his new acquisition was called a fox. He had no way of knowing she was actually more closely related to the bat.
6: (laughs) I love that.
7: (laughs) I knew it to buy a ticket. I love things. I love the little kind of, you know, snarky comments he puts into his his recordings and stuff.
6: Oh, yeah. The the snark is is like uh, out of this world uh, from Colcheck. It's great.
7: Yeah. So basically, you know that that little scene happens. Um, he tries to uh, uh, get a date with this girl, uh, Catherine, and turns out somebody else comes instead. And um, it's 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 not exactly what you know. He, he, and he ends up out two hundred bucks, but n- not having any other luck find, uh, finding the vampire at this time. So then he arrives in his, you know, searching around and he, he arrives on the scene of another attack. This time, you know, a, a football player and several of his teammates um, get slaughtered by this girl. The cops arrive. Uh, they chase her down the street and Kolchak is getting yelled at by the lieutenant for being someplace he really shouldn't be. And he's just Jack is on his last nerve
2: female vampire i don't want to hear that w- with word again
1: superhuman strength but i don't have superhuman patience Colchak. and what i do have is all used
2: up her name is katherine Rollins. she's a sister of linda courtner she disappeared in las vegas after having been bitten by a vamp
1: thousands of people disappear is amelia Earhart supposed to show up as a vampire uh-huh <laughs>
7: <laughs>
6: oh, I love that. I love that stuff yeah. so much.
7: Yeah, just the writing of that line alone just made me smile. It was it was uh, very, very funny. Yeah. And so um, basically at the end of that scene, Lieutenant gives Kolchak an ultimatum. He says, either you're going to be leaving town in the morning or you're going to you know get new lodgings at the jail. And yeah, so yeah. Um, he only has 24 hours. Still trying to figure out a way to stop her. Um, using the real estate uh, agent's uh, resources, they managed to find, you know, records of, of rented houses. And he, um, after ten hours worth of work, they figure out possibly where she is. And um, he pokes around. She appears and snarls at him. He runs, and she's right behind him, getting ready to, to you know, to turn him into lunch. And he ran to, it runs to a location that he had saw, seen before. And uh, there's a huge crucifix on the hill. Uh, actually, it's a huge cross, not crucifix, a huge cross on yeah. the hill. And um, he uh, leads, it, it, he had already set it up. He led her into a trap. And mm-hmm. uh, he had already made a circle of gasoline. He traps her in the circle of gasoline. And then he sets fire to the cross. And the cross causes her so much pain, she eventually expires. And then the police show up (laughs) And Uh, oh boy The fireworks fly
6: (laughs) As they do I'm just glad she wasn't living in the basement of Champion Towers Um, So (laughs) Anyway Um, But yeah So uh, uh, Clip 8
7: The end of the the show
2: All right, here we go It was a local landmark so I had to pay for another one And I didn't mind at all (laughs) I just couldn't think of a way to get it on the expense account They booked me for murder, just like I thought they would. But then, after 12 hours, they let me go. They never did say why. But as I was sitting in Lieutenant Mateo's office waiting for execution, I happened to see a coroner's report on Catherine Rawlins. I quote the coroner. The tissue structure of the individual appeared to be that of a female, species human, who had been dead at least three years. This is a medical conundrum for which I have no explanation
6: oh wow look at that
7: nice little nice little uh you know tie up it and it gets him out of a murder charge
6: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah uh, definitely uh but she's been dead for three years uh yeah. <laughs>
7: Yeah, it's funny because you know, Colchak can't go back to Vegas either because he's got a murder charge hanging over his head there too. And they they warned him, if you ever come back, we're gonna <sighs> dig this out and we're gonna charge you. <laughs>
6: what what a crime. What an absolute crime that this show was only on for one season. And, you know, two films. So I guess what what do we have? We have uh a total of twenty-four hours of cold check roughly. And maybe probably twenty one when you uh account for, you know, commercial breaks and things like that. But um yeah. I you know, uh oh <laughs> Foxfire Joe says that Johnny Dollar would know how to get uh get in on the action packed <laughs> expense account. <laughs> of
7: course he would. <laughs> Boy, I bet.
9: <laughs> yeah. So. Johnny Dollar would have had that out of the expense account in three seconds.
6: Yeah, yeah, but no, but this has been so fun. This has been so fun talking about uh, Kolchak and, um, you know, I mean,
2: all the little clips.
5: You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more. The hot rock business is in a slump.
2: Well, there's no law against (laughs) dropping dead. Some people dream about retiring. Uh Huh? I dream about breaking your face. Oh,
9: (laughs) (laughs) that was... Keenan Wynn, who was... We discussed, remember him on uh, yeah. Requiem for a Heavyweight?
6: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Requiem for a Heavyweight. And, of course, he was yeah. in Herbie Rides Again. He was in everything in the 60s oh, yeah. and 70s and early 80s. So, and his dad
9: was Edwin, who was in everything in the 20s and 30s. That.
6: <laughs> but, yeah. Michelle... Yeah, Michelle, what were you going to say?
7: What's amazing about him, though, is he always played such an energetic, angry man. You,
6: <laughs> know, <laughs> you know?
7: And he just yeah. he puts that that anger into those words and that disgust and he's like he's always like that when I see him on the tv
6: (laughs) well you know you know who I think his his modern day counterpart is is uh the guy who played J. Jonah Jameson in the um uh Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies uh J.K. Simmons yeah I think J.K. Simmons is the new uh Keenan Wynn I can see that. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) you know, they've got really powerful, distinct voices, and they can just go crazy and lose their minds like, you know, uh, nobody's business. Um, But no, that was... uh, No, but seriously, guys, thank you so much for uh, getting in on the Kolchak action tonight. Um, And um, I I think this was a really fun little special. Again, to coincide... With the birthday of Darren McGavin, who has his birthday today, May 7th. And um, you know what? I I think we should do, uh, whenever we run out of an idea or something, we're going to do another uh, all-coal-check episode, um, you know, and dig into uh, more episodes. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I'll finally get to talk about the robot episode of Mr. Ring. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, but, for the time being, we're going to wrap up the Kolchak stuff right now. Um, unless, Michelle, you have anything else to add to uh, your episode, The Vampire. Um,
7: not really. I, it's funny, as you know, since the special effects have to be somewhat limited, even though this one did have some good one, The cross-burning was great. The whole circle of fire thing was fun. Oh, um, hands coming out of the dust. ground. So, yeah he always has a body. I mean, in Vegas he had the body of the vampire and this one he had the body of the vampire. You yeah. know, it's just like he's a cop's worst nightmare.
6: Yeah. <laughs> he really is. So, uh, but anyway, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, we're going to give the big send-off tonight. Um, I found a video on YouTube of a whole bunch of Kolchak TV spots for trailers. And I think this is the best thing that we could possibly play to wrap up our Kolchak talk before we come back for our Twilight Zone review. Don't you agree, Kolchak?
5: You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more.
6: All right. We'll be right back after this.
2: Darren McGavin stars as
1: Colchak, the Night Stalker.
2: And now, Darren McGavin in The Night Stalker. Introduce myself. My name is Colchak of the Daily Chronicle. Mm, it's Kulshak reports the bizarre, the supernatural, the unexplainable.
16: You again and another crazy story. This nut thinks he is a
2: vampire. You know what I call that? Irresponsible yellow journalism. He has killed four, maybe five women. I saw that so-called super killer wipe up the streets with your so-called police force.
16: They don't want any help from amateur bloodhounds like you.
2: I've been a reporter for 22 years. I've been a police officer for 30. Well, then why don't you retire? (laughs) Each
1: man of the field is bishop one of these and uh, one of these. Are you suggesting that we pound one of these into Skorzeny's in chest? No, no into his heart. Darren McGavin, the Night Stalker. Cold Jack
2: is investigating a supernatural killer. What would it take to completely burn up a human body? The murderous spirits are taking over. There's a force beyond your comprehension is trying to destroy this hospital. And they're hunting Cold Jack down. Unless I can get the ghost back into the body, I'm gonna burn up. Darren McGavin is Cold Jack the Night Stalker in Crackle of Death.
0: We now return to The Night Stalker, starring Darren
4: McGavin.
2: Next week on the CBS Late Movie, a werewolf is a deadly opponent for Darren McGavin as the Night Stalker. All next week on the CBS Late Movie. Friday on the CBS Late Movie,
4: anyone can spot a vampire from 30 yards. Down here, Mr.
2: Mitchell have a couple of puncture marks on his throat? But Kojak's got to get the one disguised as a pretty girl. And she's got a way of knocking a guy off his feet if he's not careful. Which can be a real pain in the neck. The two victims that were killed in this apartment were killed for food. By a vampire. A real Darren McGavin crosses one as the Night Stalker. Next week on the CBS Late Movie. Darren McGavin. If he's some deviant cousin of early man. Jamie Farr guest stars as a creature runs amok on the Night Stalker. Next week on the CBS Late Movie. Scream. Kolchak is on the trail of two serial killers. Kids are dropping dead in the campus. We're dealing with psychotics here. No, really. What same person cuts our human hearts? The police
1: want him out of the way.
2: You want to take another trip in the police car, Kolchak?
1: And the killers want him dead.
2: I turned around and there was a great big red and yellow chicken.
1: I can dig it.
2: So all these out-of-towners are going to get the impression that Chicago's filled with nuts.
1: Darren McGavin is cold Jack the Night Stalker. In Demon and the Money,
2: next. It's time to call in the army on the Night Stalker because there's a robot on the loose, and either the cops or a wall can stop him. Now, I'm not sure what's going on, but I have a feeling it'll make Watergate look like a pie fight. Look who's knocking at the Night Stalker's door. Tonight's second feature on CBS Late Night. It started as a high seas party. This is built as a swinging singles cruise. I want to see this trip played bare. You know why they call it a bikini? But a madman makes it a death cruise. There is a werewolf on board. The moon is full. And he's after Kolchak on The Night Stalker. Tonight's second feature on CBS Late Night. On the CBS Late Movie. A ravenous lizard is loose.
1: Like the first man, these teeth marks are not those of a mammal, but of a reptile. What? What do you think you've got in here?
2: That's so important that somebody wants to steal it. There is some kind of a strange reptilian monster out there. Well, I'll have to talk fast because it's after me. A fiery finish for Darren McGavin as the Night Stalker on the CBS late movie, a double feature.
1: Darren McGavin stars as Kolchak, the Night Stalker.
2: by tonight's second feature on the CBS Late Movie. And now, Darren McGavin in The
1: Night Stalker. They move among us, cursed with an eternal bloodlust. Friday, cross the threshold between the living and the dead. Dark thoughts, evil plans. In a cold double feature. Then, beginning Monday, immortality is theirs to behold. You see before you're a man who lived for centuries. During four nights of classic fear, the legacy of Dracula. As Bloodlust continues next on the Sci-Fi Channel.
16: unhinge your
14: jaw and finish me off after my magnum pi
6: oh there's a little call back to our Chloris leishman special from last week uh i hope everybody's enjoying the show thanks uh uh everybody for being uh, active participants over on our discord chat at radio for humans international home of it came from cleveland and wow Six episodes in to this program, and we're having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really digging it. I want to thank again, uh, Kill the Hippies, Adam Hebert, The Robots, and of course, Miles, Michelle, and Joe for contributing so heavily to this program. It's, it's, uh, uh, obviously, this is this show, I think, is probably the biggest labor of love, um, I've ever been part of, and uh, and and I'm really flattered. To have such wonderful co-hosts, thoughtful co-hosts, and um, uh, proactive co-hosts here to make this show easier and more fun, and um, you know, just a real treat. Uh, I look forward to Fridays, and uh, and uh, thank you guys, thank you everybody, thank you to all of you and our listeners. It's, it means a lot to me.
7: I really like the the, the just talking fun stuff memories. Um, you know, things that we love things that, you know, people might, you know, who have not heard of them before might go out and actually check out because, you know, binge watching is, is a thing these days and there's mm-hmm. lots of fun old stuff out there.
6: Oh yeah. Yeah. There's lots of good new stuff and lots of good old stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we primarily focus on the old stuff here, uh, because, uh, frankly, a lot of other people focus on the new stuff. So let's uh you know let's do our deep dives and everything and uh we'll keep uh, it, you know and and i love it because joe uh, you mentioned this the other day me tv is like looking at branching out uh to have a, a sister station that will run um you know some of their early daytime programming in in the evenings and uh you know and you know throw some other stuff in which is really cool because, I mean, there's, a, you know, Antenna TV is great, too. Um, uh, Cozy is really great. There's a lot of great channels out there that, um, you know, uh, are playing a lot of really classic shows. And it's, it's neat that, you know, we're kind of in a spot to where we can kind of pull back and relax and enjoy this instead of, uh, you know, constant... Um, <laughs> Uh, vomit from Twitter and whatever, you know.
9: Yes. Yeah, a... and uh, yeah, MeTV uh, did, in fact, I, I'll post the uh, article about them expanding. Uh, and they will be carried on most cable uh, outlet. That's great. MeTV, that... MeTV Plus.
6: MeTV and Plus, look at read that.
9: All about it right there
6: very cool so uh and thank you for sharing that so all right well um uh i th- i suppose we should probably get into it before it gets much later and again he, uh, and miles you brought up brazil earlier i'm going to bring it up again when we talk about what are we talking about the twilight zone uh, okay, so tonight our episode is um, uh, season one, episode thirty, a stop at Willoughby, which broadcast sixty-one years ago to the date of this show. So here is the intro to it. Okay, so um, I'll set it up a little bit because I clipped out a little bit before we got to the uh, the narration and whatnot. Starts off in. Uh, what appears to be um, a high-rise building in New York City, a bunch of of uh, executive bigwigs sitting around a table, being very impatient. Where's that? Where's your boy with the the automobile account that's worth three million dollars? Where is he? Why hasn't he shown up yet? And uh, so they're you know the, the, they're putting all this pressure on the the main character of this episode uh, as to you know where is he? Where to go? It turns out the, the this um, younger fella that was hired by this, uh, uh, it, and apparently the the company is um, they they produce television shows and the uh, uh, there's an account for an automobile company which they never mention obviously and um, it, it was given to a younger guy and. He's supposed to be at this conference call, this meeting that they're having. He never shows up. And then a letter arrives, which is a resignation letter. And uh, he, the, the this younger fellow who was supposed to show up also takes this $3 million account and goes to a different firm. And uh, that's where uh, we begin on Twilight Zone Season 1, Episode 30, A Stop at Willoughby. Here's our clip. So
1: what's left, Williams? Not only has your pet project backfired, but it sprouted wings and left the premises. I'll tell you what's left to us, in my view, a deep and abiding concern about your judgment in men. This is a push business, Williams, a push, push, push business, push and drive. But personally, you don't delegate responsibilities to little boys. You should know it better than anyone else. A push-push-push business, Williams. It's push-push-push all the way, all the time. It's push-push-push all the way, all the time, right on down the line. Fat boy, why don't you shut your mouth?
10: hot oh, coffee here can i bring you
0: some oh, thanks. oh want anything at all yeah a sharp razor and a chart of the human anatomy showing where all the arteries are
16: that was dark
8: <laughs> <Look>. <laughs>
16: that bit. this is gart williams age 38 a man protected by a suit of armor all held together by one bolt. Just a moment ago, someone removed the bolt and Mr. Williams' protection fell away from him and left him a naked target. He's been cannonaded this afternoon by all the enemies of his life. His insecurity has shelled him. His sensitivity has straddled him with humiliation. His deep-rooted disquiet about his own worth has zeroed in on him, landed on target, and blown him apart. Mr. Gard-Williams, ad agency exec, who in just a moment will move into the Twilight Zone in a desperate search for survival.
6: All right. So, uh, he's fed up. He's fed up. He is. And uh, This could
9: have been a precursor to the series Mad Men, because one observation... You notice in the boardroom there were all white old men.
6: Yeah, mm-hmm. except
9: for James Daly. And when he came out into the outer office, it was all women, secretaries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and, and it was an ad agency. So maybe this is where they got Mad Men. It, okay, yeah, that's that's
6: right. So an ad agency. I I. Um, uh, was mixed up on that, but yeah, they obviously are. Are you know, we're working on ad campaigns for television shows and things like that too. So, uh, but no, that's a great analogy, Joe. Uh, I, I I probably had that in the back of my mind. I didn't watch Mad Men all the way through, but yeah, that's um, that's about it though. The decor is about the same. The mm-hmm. city looked a little fake out that big picture window, though. So,
9: <laughs> and not a single woman in the boardroom. Uh, but yeah. It's called- and can I get you a cup of coffee? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So, uh, all
6: right. So, Miles, um, uh, you know, uh, after this, uh, the 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 fella, uh, our our main character, um, he uh, commutes uh, to work via the train.
3: Yeah, in a what? very comfy train, and uh, with a very friendly conductor. Um, yeah. Conversation goes pretty casually and you know, friendly. No, no problems. And uh, in the process of, um, I I believe he he dozes off and closes the blind as his go to move.
8: Mm -hmm. And
3: uh, and dozes off, and then next thing he knows, the conductor uh, calls out that uh, hey, uh, last stop, we're at Willoughby. You know, and it's a different conductor.
7: And a different it is a train. Different
3: conductor, a different train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the blinds are wood. They're not cloth or whatever they were. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, everything looks different. And there's no snow. It's daytime. It's not night. All kinds of differences. Yeah. Seeing somebody, I don't know what the name of those bicycles are called, but it's somebody riding around on a bicycle with the one <laughs> big wheel that you ride in the. I think
6: I think the uh, technical name is death trap uh miles um Yeah. To, <laughs> but yeah, the the old-timey bicycles. Yeah, he and there's like pavilions and you know uh women wearing um uh w- w- what do you call those Michelle the big uh underskirt things with the big okay. hoops and everything. petticoats. Petticoats, right?
7: Lots of petticoats,
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah, petticoats. Kids playing, you know, like caveman games. You know, rolling cans down the street and stuff, whatever. Uh, going fishing like Huckleberry Finn, and uh, yeah, and and so Michelle, he he kind of a few times slips in and out of this dream.
7: Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. Um, it's basically like he's looking at a town that's back in 1888. Um, very low, very low, uh, uh, s- slow pace, country type living.
6: A lot of white and, people.
7: Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and he wakes up, you know, a- after the train does a jerk, he wakes up and, it, you know, he realizes he was just dreaming it. And he says, um, he asks the conductor, have you ever heard of a place called Willoughby? What the conductor says? no, not, not, there's no Willoughby on this line. And so, um we also find out now, uh, as he gets home, you find out that his wife is not a nice lady.
17: <laughs> she yeah. is
7: selfish and just a mean, mean person. And she starts you know, laying into him at his about his performance at the office and blah blah, blah. <laughs>
6: Yeah, she, she's, uh, she's, uh, well, actually I have audio of when he got home. No. my <laughs> kid. So he screamed yeah, like one, a girl. One
7: of, yeah, one of her lines is, you know, he's, uh, she, she, she has the miserable, tragic error of having been married to a man whose big dream in life is to be Huckleberry Finn.
8: Mm-hmm.
6: Oh, and by the way, there is a Willoughby, Ohio, um, just real quick, that is famous for uh, birthing a uh, one Tim Conway from the Carol Burnett show. And, of course, uh, worked with uh, um, Goularty here in uh, Cleveland as well. But, yeah, so, uh, so he gets home and he's looking for some comfort and he can't get it. And uh, he, he uh, uh, I, I guess Joe. From there, he just has to go back to work the next day, right?
9: Yeah, he can't even get fired. That's the bad part.
6: Yeah, because in the beginning, he called the. Listen here,
9: fat boy. <laughs> fat boy, why don't you just shut your mouth?
6: <laughs> yeah, and and he gets a call and says, "Well, all's forgiven." He he, you know, just was like, "Nah, that's fine."
9: Yeah, but he he said, "Well, you know." they can't fire me because they know if I go to a competitor, I'll take all my you know, advertisers with me mm-hmm. so, you know, he sort of had them over the barrel too, but you know, it was like push, 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 push well, yeah. Yeah, it was push, it was push, push, push so annoying oh, he was yeah, he, he needed killing that boy, so um, yeah <laughs>
6: Yeah, you know, some people dream of retirement. Some people dream about retiring. Uh-huh.
2: I dream about breaking your face. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
9: that's what Williams was thinking when, yeah. when he was with his boss. Push, 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 Williams. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're getting ready for another ad campaign, and he's telling Williams, "Now you got to do it right this time, Williams. You got to do it right because you got to push, 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 push. And so he cracks he just cracks yeah. calls his wife I can't take it anymore honey I I, I can't
6: I, I and he begged I, he her helped. he
9: begged her for his uh, for, for,
6: for to help him
9: support support yeah you know spousal support like give me some support here I, I gotta get out of this rat race yeah you know I don't want to push 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 any and she hangs up on
15: yeah.
6: So, so
9: he gets gets on the train to go home.
6: All right, Miles,
3: tell us what happens on the train ride uh, home. Right. So he goes and uh, talks again and has another, t- t- sleeps as he does. And uh, finds himself back in uh, Willoughby. And he's like, huh. And, but. Uh, the first time he kind of just saw all this stuff, the train rock, and he found himself back. The second time, he um, he he sees it. He starts to panic a little bit, and he starts chasing after the conductor and yelling after the conductor. The old-timey conductor, the Willoughby the conductor. The old-timey conductor to ask him, I guess, the question, like, where where am I? Where's Willoughby? Uh, he, he's confused. Mm-hmm. but in the process the actual conductor wakes him up and uh, so yeah he wakes up and uh and he loses willoughby and is it then that he talks about uh saying that next time he'll he'll permanently stay he, he at some point he says something like that. Uh, you know I,
6: I i don't know exactly um but um this is and again, this is where I want to bring in the parallel to uh, Brazil because Brazil, you know, Sam, the main character in Brazil, was all, you know, he was being overwhelmed by paperwork and bureaucracy and things like that. And he was finding escapism in his dreams where he could fly and, you know, he had this dream woman and things like that. And I also want to, uh, th- th- I think this episode has a parallel. To another Twilight Zone episode, which actually was a short film that was adapted to the Twilight Zone called, uh, I think the uh, it was called The Incident Al- at Owl Creek Bridge. Do you guys remember that okay. one? Um, it was a, a man, uh, uh, I forget what side, what army he was in during the Civil War, was about to be hung off of a bridge and then the rope snaps and then he swims upstream and goes back home to see his family and everything. Do you remember that? Um, But, uh, but so uh, to me, I'm watching this episode and I'm seeing shades of, of that. And, and again, Brazil, which came much later in the eighties, Terry Gilliam film. Um, But, uh, but yeah, where, where it goes from there doesn't necessarily matter. I have the, the ending clip of the show after what happens but um michelle do you want you want to pick it up and and wrap it up for us on um what happens it 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 comes to a point where the old timey conductor he falls asleep here's the old timey conductor saying next stop Willoughby. next stop Willoughby."
7: Yeah, and, um, and this time the conductor actually beckons him towards the door. Um yes. And uh, Williams is like, um, he's like, he hesitates just a moment, but then decides to head. And he leaves his briefcase in his seat, follows the conductor, steps off the train. When he steps off the train, he's greeted by the kids, by people, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody seems to know him here. Yeah. And uh, they're all really glad he's there. And, you know, he, he talks about the kids and they're fishing and, you know, maybe he'll join them tomorrow and stuff like that.
6: Oh, there's lots of fish biting, mister. Don't worry, you'll catch your fiddle. <laughs>
8: Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is like, this is,
7: you know, he's he's happy. He's smiling. Yeah. The It's like the cares have just completely, um, you know, fallen off his shoulders.
8: Mm-hmm. And
7: um, then they focus on the clock at the train station and the pendulum is flowing uh, um, swinging back and forth and then it fades into a swinging lantern of a train engineer and And you want to take it from there this
10: (laughs) is where the clip starts just jumped off the train did he shouted something about Willoughby then ran out to the platform and that was the last I saw him doctor says he must have died instantly they're going to take him into town for an autopsy funeral parlor there sent the ambulance mm mm-hmm.
16: Maybe, maybe it's wishful thinking nestled in a hidden part of a man's mind. Or maybe it's the last stop in the vast design of things. Or perhaps for a man like Mr. Gart Williams who climbed on a world that went by too fast. It's a place around the bend where he could jump off. Willoughby, whatever it is, it comes with sunlight and serenity and is a part of the Twilight Zone.
6: There it was, and yeah, Willoughby uh, and Son's funeral home, uh, not to be confused with Sanford and Son junk haulers, um, (laughs) where they find wild parsley.
1: Parsley! Wild parsley!
6: Uh, But no, yeah, so he jumped to his death off the train, and uh, again, I apologize for uh, uh, misspeaking earlier about the episode of The Twilight Zone, Michelle, this was uh, uh it was called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which was a short story by Ambrose Bierce that was actually adapted into um an Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode and then ah. a, a few years later was adapted to a um a Twilight Zone episode. So, in and, and spoilers, everybody, it's, it's about a man who's being hung, uh, during the civil war, uh, from a bridge ropes, the rope snaps, he gets away, he swims off, he goes back, he spends time with his family. By the end of the episode, um, you realize that, uh, that was, uh, a, a, uh, kind of his life that he wanted flashing before his eyes until he falls and hangs, uh to his death which is much like the end of Brazil miles where sam is uh being you know tortured and you know um uh killed essentially but in his mind he has this um escaped. yeah he has escaped so he's um, reached
3: uh, bliss or happy yes yeah
6: yeah uh, used his mind to escape the pain and agony of, uh, you know, or the doldrums of life or the, the um, uh, you know, or, or, you know, execution. <laughs> you know, this one, obviously, A uh, um, uh, Stop at Willoughby did not involve actual torture or physical abuse or anything like that. Mental anguish, obviously, and zero support system.
3: It takes its toll.
6: Yeah. So... Uh, but it, it was a good episode, but again, very uh, I think it, the the concept uh, was done better with uh, you know by Ambrose Bierce with an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. And of course that was lifted by Terry Gilliam for Brazil. and uh, I can't say for sure whoever wrote this episode was inspired by that episode or, or I'm sorry that story or not. but uh, you know it, it, it it's effective. But I don't think it was um, a highly um, memorable or desirable Twilight Zone episode for me. Um, so,
9: Joe, what are your
6: your final thoughts on this episode?
9: Uh, yeah, I it was one of the, to me one of the more enjoyable ones. It was, uh, I thought, sad. You know, it typifies some of the frustrations people have with their jobs and yeah their lives and. People that don't care about them are people that should. So, uh, you know, to me, it was one of the the better ones. Um, Just a a note, uh, the guy that played Mr. William, uh, his name was James Daly. Okay. And uh, he was also on a famous Star Trek episode in the original series. Requiem for Methuselah. Oh,
6: okay. I thought he looked familiar. All right, all right. He
9: played Flint, who was mm-hmm. the man who could not die. Yes. Yes. So Very nice. that was uh, just uh, how everything is intertwined.
6: I know, I know, and I love that. I love all the connections here. Anything else, Joe? That's about it. All right, Michelle, uh, let's get your final recap on this episode.
7: Um, it's enjoyable. I like the ones with more of a of a supernatural bent to them or mm-hmm. alien bent. But this one was very bittersweet. I yeah. mean, he got his release, and he he went on to his final reward. You kind of kind of think of it like like heaven for him. But yeah. um, it just shows how mean people can be. True. He had no he had no support anywhere. It was awful.
6: It was it was bad. Yeah, I mean that 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 is uh, uh, heart wrenching, right there. So, uh, anything else, Michelle? That's it. All right, Miles. What's your final take on this uh, episode, episode uh, thirty of season one of the Twilight Zone, a stop up Willoughby?
3: It is um, a, a classic warning tale of the toll that stress can take on a person's life. And uh, you know, happiness is key. If you don't have happiness, the rest of your life is just gonna suffer for it. So, um, try to avoid stress, people. It's a killer. Yeah, it is. So, all right. Well,
6: and I guess my final two cents is, you know, not one of my favorite episodes. A good episode, but that's the great thing about the Twilight Zone is. There's literally something for everybody when it comes to tastes in uh, in shows, and uh, I'm looking forward to the episode that we do next week. And let me see if I have it written down. I'm sure I do. The Chaser for next week. Looking forward to that. But thank you guys for uh, you know really pitching in and making the Kolchak special special and uh darren mcgavin uh wherever you are um you know thank you for the attitude and the entertainment and we'll see everybody next friday oh and we'll definitely talk about magic mushrooms next week (laughs) unless that's one step beyond of where you want to (laughs) go yeah all (laughs) right (laughs) good night everybody
5: You're absolutely right, I couldn't agree with you more.